So let me begin by uh, thanking you all for coming. And let's begin with our uh, roll call and introduction of guests with uh, Denise Colley. All right. Thank you. All right. Here you go, Denise. Deb Cook Lewis. Uh, present. Ray Campbell. I'm here. David Trot, Kim Charlson. Chris Bell is not here. Jeff Bishop. Jeff Bishop should be in Zoom. Jeff. Zoom. All right. Donna Brown. Gabriel Lopez Cafati. Oh, Gabriel. Terry Pacheco. Where's our board? <laughs> we no, do yeah, wrong. We'll exactly what's happening. Yeah. Doug Powell, Rachel Schroeder, Kenneth Simeon, Connie Sims, Jeff Tom, Penny Reader. No Penny? Hey, staff. Dan Chris Bell is not here today. Right. He's excused absence. Yeah, I got that. Uh, staff, Dan Spoon, Here. Clark Rackfall, Swathanandu Kumar, uh, Jolyn Bailey Page. She's yeah. back there. She's here. <laughs> Nancy Becker, Cindy Hollis. No, no, she's, Nancy. Here. No, she's here. Not in the in here, but she's in the building. Natalie Couch. Yeah, I'm gonna. Hey guys, we have Jeff Bishop over on the clubhouse side. Can you give me just a moment and I'll get him patched in so you he can needs hear him? To just log into Zoom. He, we, yeah. he can't. Um, okay. He's having trouble with the link. I'm relaying. Hold on. I'm going to get him patched in if that's all right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about this, guys. Because okay. um, um, by default, clubhouse was not set to. Okay. Let's go to. Okay. Well, you guys. Can okay, you can now hear that. Jeff. Um, you should now hear Jeff if he talks. Okay. I'm here. I just uh, yeah. the webinar we link. Got I you, have Jeff. Seth, yeah, the the link I have. For okay. Kelly Gask. Here. Uh, Sharon Lovering. She's in the communications. And Chris is probably in registration. Rick, Rick Morin. Yeah. Larry Gassman. He's not here yet. He's still traveling. Is there any staff I've forgotten? Oh, Tab, I'm sorry, Tabitha. Oh, I don't have you on my list. I got to get you on my list. <laughs> that is right. not a good thing. We need our AD person. All right. She's Can a- we find out who our uh, guests are yeah, this morning? Before you do that, um, uh, Bryn has asked that if anyone is using uh, needing ALDs, Assisted listening devices and needs any assistance to get on the right channel. The webinar has started recording in progress so that we can make sure we get that taken care of right away. And then we can start around. Yep. Cindy Hollis says she's at the door. She can't get Are we ready for guests, Deb? Okay. 
My name is Gemma Ceniceros uh, from El Paso, Texas, and I'm one of the DKM award recipients. I couldn't hear her either. You got to speak up, guys. We can't hear you. I'm Terry Turlaw. I am from Louisville, Kentucky, and I am a J.P. Morgan Chase Fellow. All right. <laughs> I am Leslie Spoon, Orlando, Florida. I am Seth Sims from South Dakota. What? I am Michael Babcock from Coos Bay, Oregon. Liz Botner, Washington, D.C., J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellow. Andy Arvidsson. Raised hand, Jeff Bishop, raised hand, close. Press CMD plus to open pop-up. Raised hand, Jeff Bishop, raised hand, close. Press CMD plus to open pop-up. Raised hand, Jeff Bishop, raised hand, close. Press CMD plus to open pop-up. Raised hand, Jeff Bishop, raised hand, close. Press CMD plus to open pop-up. Um, Cheryl Cummings, J.P. Morgan Fellow. Karen Campbell, Springfield, Illinois. Welcome to Schomburg, everybody. Lucy Edmonds, Lansing, Michigan, Chair of the Community Support Committee. Tyann Wilmeth from Portland, Oregon. Malena Vanderwall, Caledonia, Michigan, J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellow. Cheris Austin from Michigan. Gail Manthwitz from Michigan. Oh. Kristen Kelling from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Sarah Freeman Smith, Houston, Texas, DKM 2020. Michael Garrett from the great metropolis of Missouri City, Texas. <laughs> Mitch Pomerantz from the Rose City, Pasadena, California. Peggy Garrett, Missouri City, Texas. Donna Pomerantz, Pasadena, Land of the Rose Bowl, California. Hi, it's Amanda Sound, president of ACB Next Generation from Louisville, Kentucky. Matt Selm, Louisville, Kentucky. Benjamin Wright, Henderson, Kentucky. I'm a J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellow. Anthony Akamini, Anthony Honolulu, Hawaii, DCAM Committee. And I believe that is it, Deb. I'll get it back to you. Oh, I'm right here. <laughs> All right, Janae Miller from Columbus, Ohio, chapter president for Columbus, and I'm a DKM award recipient, too. All right, got a couple more. Yeah. Hi, this is Sadja Koirala from the Hawaii Association of the Blind and also a DKM Leadership Fellow of 2020. Good morning, Cheryl. Sites raised hand, Triana, raised hand, close. Press CMD plus to open pop-up. Raised Hendrick Troyano, raised hand, close. Press CMD Morning, plus everybody. To Tom Tobin, president of ACB Diabetics in Action, home of the first place Sugar Warriors. Hi, Terry Suarez, delegate for ACB Diabetics in Action from Orlando, Florida. Thanks. 
I'm Andrea Connor from um, ICB. And raised hand, Troyano raised hand. Committee. Close. Press CMD plus to open pop up. All right. I think that's it. Madam Chair, this is Jeff. I'm now on the webinar. So, yeah, we hear you. Thank you. Okay. Yep. All right. And Cindy Hollis is now here as well. And we are not going to go through and announce all the folks in Zoom as, or and Clubhouse as much as I'd like to, but then we'd have to meet till about Tuesday. So, sorry, I, we just can't quite do that. So, I'm going to run through the agenda for you. Um, and so, we'd already done the uh, call to order and the roll call and introduction of guests. And then we will um, review an approval of the agenda, which is what we're doing right now. And then we have the uh, approval of the minutes for April 25th, 2023 with Denise. And then we will talk about our mission moment, which is going to be our celebration of the uh, rally and leadership conference that we had and how fabulous that was. And then we will adopt, um, accept the uh, consent agenda which uh, contains a number of items, um, the financial statements uh, prepared by Nancy, the Braille Forum Editor's Report prepared by Sharon, the Advocacy Update Report by Clark, the Resource Development Report with uh, Bill Reeder and JoLynn Bailey-Page, the Membership Services Report with Cindy Hollis, the Audio Description Project Report with Tabitha Kinlan, um, and the communications report with Kelly Gask and the con- uh, and then after we have a pr- and this is a that's the consent agenda. So the board has reviewed these documents. We will not have discussion of them. We will um, approve the reports. And then later on in the agenda, we'll be hearing from uh, some of the key people um, about the programs. So that will happen. Then we're going to hear from Janet Dickelman, our wonderful convention coordinator, about how things are going here this week. And then she wants to take off because there's lots going here. And we'll sell those. We're auctioning those off. Leslie has <laughs> Leslie is auctioning off the chairs. I need to tell people in Zoom, if you want a chair, you're going to have to bid as well. All right. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll make you stand up, too. Um, Following Janet's report, we'll have um, my report, which only has a few items on it. Um, The continuation of our um, voting task force, which is going to have some expanded activities and uh, some thanks from the auction committee for the fabulous auction and our next board meeting announcement. And then uh, approximately we'll be at lunch. We'll shift lunch depending on where we are because we're going to try to hit that right around noon. Um, But uh, so we've kind of put in where we thought it might be, but we don't know. Uh, Then we will have the staff reports. So that will begin with uh, Dan Spoon, our executive director, and then Clark Rackfall for advocacy. Um, The uh, JoLynn Bailey-Page, our associate director of development, um, Cindy for management, uh, membership uh, management engagement activities, um, communications with Kelly Gask, and um, then the uh, chief financial officer's report from Nancy Becker, and uh, the financial narrative uh, year to date with uh, David Trott, his uh, last big treasury activities. 
Um, ACB Enterprises and Services with uh, Michael Garrett, the ACBES chair, uh, Board of Publications uh, from uh, Penny, and um, an update on the status of 2022 resolutions from Clark Rotkfall. So that's going to be a detailed report as requested by resolution on uh, on the topic of last year's resolutions. So uh, top, uh, Clark and Swatha will be providing us with that. And uh, then we'll have committee reports as needed uh, from any of our uh, committee chairs and officer liaisons. And finally, we will adjourn. So what this means is that we are not going to be able to take um, as much public comment as we might like to uh, just because of um, the amount of stuff on our agenda. So um, we will try to uh, catch that as we can, um, particularly around a break. But basically, uh, we are going to be pretty well, um, pretty well tied up. I need to set this down for one sec because I can't get back to the top of my document. Thank you. Now I just couldn't get back to, I needed two hands. One second. All right. So um, let's see. Now we are to the minutes. Um, so a question about the agenda. Uh, there are not. And that is primarily because Sharon was traveling and uh, has did not get here till yesterday. And so we don't have any, she would have brailed them like last night. So, um, all right. So now, um, approve the agenda. Uh, let's see. So Ray moved and who, Kenneth seconded approval of the agenda. Uh, is there any question or, and, and remember that there will be a brief executive session after lunch. I failed to re-remember that for you. All right, so um, if there's no discussion, all in favor? And any opposed? You know what happens to me when you vote those kind of things down. <laughs> all right, so now we will move on and uh, to the uh, review and approval of the minutes for the April 25th meeting and uh, Denise. All right, the minutes were sent out. Are there any corrections or additions? Okay, David moved. I heard Connie first, Connie seconded. All in favor of the motion, signify by saying aye. Opposed? Thank you. All motion. right, okay. that was easy. Oh. Yes, sir. Yes, thank you. Yeah. All right. And Penny. All right, good. Okay, so Penny Reader is here. Terry is now here, and Gabriel is now here as well. So I think we're, I think we're in good shape. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been it's tricky to find these places. All right. Our next item on the agenda is the mission moment, and um, we applaud the amazing collaboration uh, between staff and volunteers to bring about our first hybrid leadership conference and the currency rally, which was so absolutely amazing. And I don't know who brought the rain, but <laughs> that was not such a good thing. Um, the rally itself was a landmark experience, which most definitely got the attention of the treasury and uh, the conference received overall positive reviews in the evaluations. And the format was also um, a first 
with of plenary sessions, breakout groups, um, tours, and some social activities, exhibits, and so much more. And I, the hard work of all of our staff and volunteers, particularly the advocacy committee and the special work of Kelly and others were was just amazing. And I'd like to turn it over to Dan to just chat a little bit more about that. And gosh, I don't think we have Colby in here. We could have her sing the song again, but it, it was great. It was absolutely fabulous. Yes. Dan? Thank you, Deb. Uh, just want to, uh, again, thank uh, all of our members, but I really want to take an opportunity to thank the staff, which mm -hmm. really went, went pull, put, all, put it all out on the line during those two weeks, oh, folks. Yeah. So we, for the first time, yes. Hip, hip, hooray for the staff. I am telling you, uh, you know, for the first time, we broadcast our entire virtual president's meeting and le legislative seminar with both Spanish and English. So uh, thanks to the Hispanic Subcommittee in Multicultural Affairs. And I want to tell you, uh, it was really great to see our members step up and Gabriel Lopez Cafati, all his hard work. And it really, really was uh, a great way for us to get the the really two week marathon of the D.C. Leadership Conference started. Uh, but we tried something different this year by making the D.C. Leadership Conference the in-person portion truly more interactive with breakout sessions, with chances for members to provide input on all kinds of different topics inside of ACB with some really exciting vendors with tours. We may we may scale it back a little for next year, I think we've <laughs> learned. But but obvious to me, truly the highlight was the show me the money rally. Oh yeah. And yeah. Thank you all, all for being there and on a perfect sunshiny day without a cloud in the sky. <laughs> Not yeah. <laughs> But our hearts were filled with sunshine, Cindy said, most certainly. And it just showed the tenacity of our organization, I think, yeah. that we really came through. Uh, I want to uh, really, you know, that kind of an unsung hero in all this is Swathananda Kumar, who really made the connections with us, with a representative, representative yay, Swatha with a representative uh, from the DC Lawyers Association and made a connection with uh, Mrs. Hart to, to get us in touch with uh, Andrew, uh, oh gosh, Nasden. Thank you so much, Kenneth. Andrew Nasden, who really helped us professionalize the rally. And thank you for the board for approving the expenses for that. And I think that really got the ball rolling as well as Swatha made a connection with a representative in the White House that I think really helped spur the conversation that we ended up having with the Bureau in Engraving and Printing prior to the rally. So we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but I just can't say enough about the professionalism of the rally, all the graphical work and communications work that Kelly Gass did, all the organizational work that Clark Rockfield did. I mean, everybody really, really, really stepped up. Obviously, uh, Caitlin and Nancy and everybody that was logistically getting buses moved and people moved and lunches served and and ponchos. Thank you, Chris Bell. You're not here today, but we love you for your ponchos. 
It really was. Oh, yeah. It's what ACP does at our best. It was a team effort. We were all in it together. And by God, when we're in it together and we work together, we do it. We make it happen and we make a difference. Thank you so, so much. Hey. All right. Any like com? Hip, hip. Yes, you can. All right. How about a hip, hip, hooray. Hooray! Hip hip! Thank you all. Yeah, that job is still delegated to Dan. <laughs> okay, you got him. All. Even after the elections, <laughs> his job. Um, any comments from any board members uh, regarding the the rally and the leadership? Yes. Okay, we'll pass the mic around. Okay. Yeah, he's not talking yet. Okay, it's not talking yet. No, it's not live. It's not live yet. It's not live yet. Oh, I'm going to shut me up. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> I asked for that one. No. Um. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Great stuff. Um. No. Um. Besides the currency rally, I, I was just so pleased to see the uh, amount of discussion uh, in the uh, sessions that we had. Yep, we're off mic. Oh, yeah, we, we've heard enough from you now, Ray. Thanks. That was great. <laughs> Next. No, no. Can we get him back on mic? Hold on. This is the dress rehearsal for the board meeting. It starts at 10, doesn't it? <laughs> check, check. Oh, you hit the button. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll be brief. Uh, what I was just going to say is that uh, I really loved the amount of discussion in the ACB sessions on Saturday and Sunday. And what was great about it, it was members, all types of members, uh, you know, all ages, all different backgrounds. It was really some great uh, feedback and some great, uh, uh, great conversation. And I think uh, can really help to move ACB forward. So that was fantastic. All right. Anyone else? Donna? Donna? It's my turn now. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I want to really thank, because these people get uh, unnoticed. We have members of ACB who have low vision and they are so helpful and they really helped at the rally because I wandered and somebody came to my rescue. But <laughs> those members who have low vision are always there to help us. And, and we, I can't thank them enough. Hey. Mm -hmm. All right. Anyone else? Okay. Let's continue on then. Oh, Kenneth, did you have something? Yes, from planning to implementation, it was a great time um, working together and witnessing all, all the efforts of all of our volunteers, uh, members that was uh, just giving their time and effort. Um, just It was powerful meeting people in person uh, at the DC Leadership Conference, so many good conversations, dining out, 
uh, to meet some new people. It all turned out very well, and I was honored to be there. Yeah, it was great. It really was. And I loved it because I had absolutely no assignment at all. So <laughs> I did nothing all weekend except break my finger. I did manage to do that. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, all right, let's move along then. And our next item on the agenda is the consent agenda. And um, I'm looking to just have us approve the documents in the consent agenda. And then later on, we will have um, some individual reports regarding some of them. But uh, if we could, um, Adana moves to approve the consent agenda. And Denise seconded. I'm having trouble knowing who everybody is today. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Um, all in favor of approving the consent agenda? And any opposed? All right. Thank you. Now, let's see. We are to Janet Dickelman and the convention report. You can't. You don't have a seat? She gave me her chair. Okay. She, she needed a foot chair. I did. I moved. I'm just going to be here for a minute. So Cindy needed a foot chair. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Raja. Where the heck are we? Raja. Okay. Well, I was I was having a conversation earlier when somebody said, I haven't seen you since Rochester. So I had Rochester on my brain. I am sorry. You, you have to understand the first few days of the convention are a little crazy and a little stressful. And my mind is kind of gone. So welcome, everyone. I hope everyone's in spite of weird travel delays as seems to be the norm now, unfortunately. I hope everybody made it safely to Schaumburg and found your hotel room to your liking and got settled in. We are getting underway. We are very excited to be here. I have worked with the hotel staff um, all day Tuesday and Wednesday this week doing training. And I hope you've noticed that they've all been very, very kind and helpful and you know, really doing a good job. We'll see after everybody else arrives. No, I, I think that's going to continue. I know, you know, that as every convention, there's always a few glitches. There's always a few, a few issues. I know this is a large venue and getting, learning your way around is, you know, the first few days is a little difficult. I understand that. We do have some volunteers. Sally's working diligently. We've got quite a few volunteers signed up that, and more that are coming later in the week. Um, registration went very well for the convention. We do have quite a few people attending in person, but we also have a large number of people attending virtually. I don't wanna give figures right now because we have had a few changes and I can't tell you exactly where we are with the numbers, um, but people are, um, we have had a few people unfortunately that have had to cancel due to illness or due to flight issues, but um, we are here. We have our first tour went off this morning and they're off to the Science and Industry Museum and that seemed to go off without a hitch, which is good. Um, registration <laughs> did a great job last night opening. Um, I walked past a couple times and the lines were moving very quickly. You know, it's always crazy 
when it first opens at 6 p.m., but seemed to go very well. Um, as far as our fall board meeting, I just wanted to remind all of you that that is the weekend of September 29th, and we will be in Jacksonville at the Hyatt in Jacksonville. Seems funny to be talking about that, but that'll be coming sooner than we think. Um, and then, of course, the 2024 convention is in Jacksonville, July 5th through July 12th. Then we have Dallas in 25. I have not really started looking for 2026 yet because we just want to see how this convention goes and how things look with our numbers and the size of the venue that we will be looking at going forward. So these are all things that are under consideration. Uh, does anyone have any questions of me? Uh, first of all, uh, as president of the Illinois Council of the Blind, on behalf of the host committee, um, thank you for this. It's been a great year. I'm sure we'll hear more later in the week on Janet's report. But Janet, my question is, uh, so for Jacksonville, after convention, obviously, do you want us to give you our arrival information for room reservations, or do you want us to just make them ourselves? For the board meeting Yes. you're talking about? I'll take care of the board meeting. All right. I, I, the the rule of thumb is I do the board meetings, you do the conventions. <laughs> yes, they are leaving today. They they did have they did have the hotel did have a last minute um, addition that they were able to add in the children's dance uh, competition. And that started on Monday. So that's been going on for the last several days. And I know it's impacted us a little bit with, with all the young ones running around and having a good time, but they are closed today. So then we're pretty much the only game in town. Anything else? No one, no one else, but Terry Suarez has something. Yes. Janet, what? Yes. As the delegate of American Council of the Blind Diabetics in Action, we want to give you these lovely flowers. Oh my goodness. Thank you for all your volunteerism and everything you do for all of us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Terry. That's very sweet of you. Oh, and they smell beautiful. Thank you. Okay, Rick, I've cried now, so <laughs> so you're off the hook. That's your one cry. That's my one cry for convention <laughs> till I do my convention. Any, it is a happy cry. <laughs> Any other questions or anything I can answer for you? All right. Thank you very much, madam. Oh. Oh, Jeff. I was told to say this, so I'm happy. Uh-oh. Um, so no, it's nothing bad, really. Uh, but uh, it makes and, me nervous when he prefaces by, "Well, it's nothing bad." And, and and for us, it did work out all perfectly fine. But um, the hotel did say that you that because we have a discounted rate, it's possible that you may not get like the, <clears throat> for example, the bed type that you want 
uh, or something like that. It's possible. But in our case, it turned out fine. They Within five minutes, they switched the room and everything went fine. So, But they did say that was a, the policy. For, for anyone who requested of me to get a particular bed type in their room, I was able to get it. If you didn't specify it in your reservation, yes, I think that is is well. We did specify it, but oh, they came, they made it right. So okay, was, but they made it right. So yeah, good, good. Anything else? All right, then my flowers and I are going. All right. Thanks. Um, I have just a couple of really quick logistical um, uh, announcements related to the convention because I still do some of my old jobs. So let me just t tell you that we do have a few situations where um, people who are presenting on the conference are finding it pretty challenging to get here, just as some of our uh, people, uh, members have had. So if you have uh People who are coming if that are like not local that we're traveling here for your presentation, please check and make sure if they think they're still able to do it um, in person. And if you find that they are going to need to be uh, joining you in Zoom, if you're in a location that has Zoom, then uh, please check in with Cecily to get that information to her. It's really critical that we um, get those things uh, squared away as soon as possible. We had quite a juggle with that last year and we're having a, a little again. So please make sure you do. Also, yeah, there are a few, a few room changes. Yes. And so, um, so, um, if if you uh, please watch the newspaper and and check everything to make sure where you're going because there there have been a few changes so as often happens, uh, so make sure about that. And um, uh, the other thing is that those of you who have um, involvement in the uh, uh, general session agendas, I will be sending out uh, basically right after uh, any. Um, general session agenda, what's the lineup for the next one. And the reason it's working that way is we have a few fluid things this week with our exciting elections and our exciting um, co constitution and bylaw voting and, and uh, uh, the um, uh, record um, resolutions and one still out there that we're working on. So um, there are some changes that will be uh, occurring and things will be a little fluid. Some of the general session times will be a little longer than uh, originally anticipated. We've tried to calculate it as best we can to interfere as little as possible with other things, but we have to get it all in. So it, it was ruled out that I could not start a general session tomorrow night and run it all the way to Monday afternoon with no breaks. But beyond that, I, I've got pretty good freedom on this. So, um, uh, so the can plan on them being long, plan on there not being um, a lot of breaks unless things you know free up a little and then we'll be able to relax a little more. Um, but everything is, um, is a little bit subject to change. So watch for email from me if that impacts you and we'll try to make sure that we are all on that. Okay, 
Um, moving along then, the next thing we have is my report and it's still pretty short because I've only been in this uh, try before you buy position for what, three months now. <laughs> and I think the warranty is just about run out. So. <laughs> I understand now I have to actually go for the job. So I'm thinking it over. I'll let you know. <laughs> and um, so um, we, we will be continuing the activities of the voting task force, um, thinking it might need a new name because there's so much more than voting. Um, we have certainly seen that we that as we work through this process over time, uh, we're we're learning more about how it plays out and and what happens. And so we know that we need to continue to uh, to work with our voting task force, our Constitution and Bylaws Committee, um, and others to to kind of continue that process of determining how to manage our convention process, our business processes in the best way possible. I think overall uh, we did um, a, a good job this year with the resolutions process, and I hope that I, I've had a lot of feedback, and I know Gabe's had a lot of feedback um, that. Um, having material come out on particular days for particular resolutions and in detail and the process um, explained frequently um, was helpful. So we will continue that. Next year, we want to add in um, sort of better connection to uh, various groups that will be impacted by uh, the resolutions. And we will be putting a lot of the onus for making that connection on the makers, because if you are going to produce a resolution, you need to know um, how it's going to be received by individuals in the organization who might be impacted, um, particularly around committee work and, and other kinds of things. So we can avoid some of the challenges that have come up around this in the past if we have a little bit better communication up front. So that'll be kind of our next phase on that. Um, the um, Constitution and Bylaws Committee will be kind of operating in a little bit different process. If you, uh, whether you pass the amendment or not, frankly, uh, there's nothing that prohibits the president from appointing them earlier. Uh, they, they would feel better about just knowing that that will always happen in the future. And so they asked for, for your consideration of that, but there's nothing that stops it. So, um, so we will be doing that because they're going to be working through a problem identification process and then working back to see whether constitution and bylaws changes are the solution or something else. So um, rather than kind of starting with the changes, we're going to try to start with identifying what do we most need to change and prioritizing that and then working, working through it as we get that feedback. Um, and so the voting task force will once again work on the voting issues, but also the standing rules and other kinds of things. As Janet mentioned, we also have the challenge of, um, of how things sort of flow out over time in the hybrid environment. We have uh, two more conventions that are scheduled 
to um, be in, in somewhat the format that we have now. The format doesn't have to be the same, but at least the configuration kind of will be. And then after that, we may be able to have the flexibility of doing some very different things. So we are going to establish some work groups around what those might look like. There have been some very lively discussions on the uh, various email lists and um, they're interesting to read and some good thoughts have come through some of that. We are moving forward. We are not going back. So we uh, voted so uh, overwhelmingly to establish a uh, much more hybrid format for our conventions and to allow everyone to vote. And so those, those aren't options for going back. And so when some people kind of want to talk about fondly going back, that, that's off the table, gang. So um, we, we, it would require a lot to get us to do that. And I, I doubt that the membership is going to go there. So we need to figure out, though, how to best do what we're doing. And we are figuring that out. And we are working through it. And I think doing a good job. But obviously, there's more we need to do to complete that process. And when we have um, the opportunity to totally um, look at uh, what kind of venues, what kind of timing, what kind of everything we do for convention, um, particularly the in-person piece of it, um, that will be a real signal. So we have two years to get this worked through um, and we have to start right away. So that is definitely on the agenda. Um, so um, that's all important. Um, the, uh, we're, I'm very appreciative of everything that happened at the auction. We'll get some updates on that. I know, but they um, definitely thank you all for the fabulous uh, turnout for both the purchasing and, and the donating. And it was just lots of fun. This was my first time to describe for the auction. That was lots of fun too. So, um, so thank you all board members for your contributions. Um, in particular to the to the auction and uh, to everything we're doing in that area. Our next board meeting will be um, Tuesday, August 15th um, at 8 p.m. It will run approximately 24 hours. Oh, no, that's not right. My husband wants to know, my husband wants to know why we don't start these meetings at 8 p.m. Pacific. And so just so you know, um, so, um, so I, I can go a long time starts at five for me. Yeah. You can get raised voting against that. He says, all right. Yeah. I mean, probably me too, really. So, um, uh, I'm not very nocturnal, so this actually does work out for me pretty well. So you have already received the, uh, the, uh, invitation for that and should have that on your, on your agenda. So that should be, um, that should be already good for you. All right. Now, my agenda says that we'd be going to uh, lunch next, but actually we're, we're ahead of ourselves a little, which is good. Um, I uh, think we'll just continue forward a little while. Um, so, um, so let's, we will now move on then. Are there any questions for me before we move on? And we need a motion, yeah, Dan says, we need a motion to prove my, thank you, Ray. And second? The string, Springfield contingency moves and seconds the, the president's report. Thank you very much. 
Uh, any discussion or questions? Okay, all in favor? And opposed? <laughs> all right. <laughs> What's the problem? <laughs> okay, he's a little slow. He's from Alabama. He's also not on mic, so <laughs> that's what he said. Watch it. That's just repeating what he said. Just repeating what he said. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Just trying to help everyone understand the issues. <laughs> that's a big job. All righty. Um, okay, then let's move on to our um, staff reports. And Dan, you're up first. Oh, I just got my paper. Somebody can get it for me. <laughs> and I don't have a mic. Oh. Dan needs a mic. This one's on. It's coming. It's coming. Hello. Cindy, you good? I got to got to make sure this our, our staff people are are being taken care of. You're you're good. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Madam President. First, I have to tell you, it's very strange <laughs> sitting in this seat after four years of being ACB president. Uh, as I've told a few of you all uh, walking around this morning before we got started, I so much want to make a comment, and that's not my role anymore. So it's been uh, it's been a wonderful transition for uh, me. So personally, I just want to thank the board uh, for giving me an opportunity to be the interim executive director. It really has been a, a really a pleasure and. Eric Bridges did an amazing job as our executive director for the last seven and a half years. And one of the most important things he did was assemble a truly dedicated and amazing staff of individuals who worked so hard for all of us as members and representing the American Council of Blind, not only internally to our membership, but externally to our corporate partners, and also our associations that were connected through throughout the disability community and the federal agencies and our uh, US Congress and legislature. I mean, it, it's a joy to see this team in action each and every day. So thank you, thank you to all of them. And I really, I hope everybody had an opportunity to read the consent agenda reports. The team really worked hard to put a lot of good information in those reports. I hope you found them helpful. And as we go through the staff reports today, please, if you have any questions, concerns, thoughts, we are here to, to listen, to learn, and to dialogue uh, with each of you all today. Uh, several of our highlights. So, uh, we talked already about the DC Leadership Conference and the Show Me the Money rally. And they're really excited about it in the other room. So that was perfect. We've got, we've, got some, we've got some advocates over there. So, uh, but it truly was us at our best and it really did make a difference. Just having, <laughs> having the, this is gonna tickle me, I apologize. Just just having just having the rally planned and organized and the connections that Swatha and Clark made led to us having a meeting with the Bureau of Engraving and Printing before we ever got to the rally. And that truly, truly 
that's that's what it's all about is getting the attention of the Treasury Department and the Bureau of Engraving and Printing. So from that from that relationship, and I shared this with you all briefly, maybe in the uh, in the telephonic board meeting, but we we didn't know what to expect when we went to the Treasury uh, building. You know, it, we were invited by a very low level staffer. As he was in walking us into the building, I said, how long have you been with the Bureau of Engraving and Printing? And he said, I've been here for over one month. <laughs> and I went, I looked at Eric and Clark and I said, boy, well, you know, <laughs> how beneficial is this meeting going to be today? And as we as we arrived and got checked in, you got to go all the security and you know, all that fun stuff. And uh, we had Jeff Levicki our attorney who's been working on this case for almost 20 years, right? What an amazing advocate Jeff Levicki is for us. And he does it all pro bono. He's just an amazing individual. I've got to know him really well here over the last few months. <laughs> Jeff and I are on speed dial part of the time, I think. But, but as part of that, we walk in, there was Scott's, uh, Scott, the guy had been there a month, his boss. So we're like, okay, well, we've got at least somebody else there. And there was another aide. And then all of a sudden the door opened and in walked in the deputy chief of staff for Janet Yellen for the U.S. Treasury. In walked the director of the Bureau of Printing and Engraving, his deputy director, his chief counsel, his communications director, all there to talk to us about accessible currency. We got the attention of those that have the power to bring about accessible currency, hopefully in our lifetimes. <laughs> That's my goal, but I'm getting a little worried because I'm not getting any younger. But so we had just an amazing conversation with these folks. They promised that they would get back together with us at the end of May to outline their overall kind of project schedule and their major milestones. But out of that meeting, we actually got to get our hands on the true, you know, $10 new bank note, a Federal Reserve note with the tactile raise features that are in place. They've already been approved. They've already, you know, are going through their final testing stages. There's no plans to alter the tactile raise features. And on the back, back side, we got to see the, you know, large print enhanced high contrast number on the back. And it was kind of, guys, I got to tell you, it was kind of cool. I mean, to touch that and say, holy cow, this could actually really, really happen. Right, Kim? In our lifetimes, Mitch, everybody, this could really, really happen. And. It's taken a long, long while, and we're not there yet. So, so the rally really caused that to happen. That got everybody's attention. And the fact that it was an inclusive rally that was not just about accessible currency, but also brought in uh, some colleagues uh, who were for the Harriet Tubman $20 bill, and that inclusiveness and those folks, Barbara Howard uh, and Dr. Levine that were at the rally, that made a difference because following that meeting, I was invited by Barbara Howard to have a meeting 
um, with the actual treasurer of the United States. You know, it's different than Janet Yellen. We actually have a treasurer that signs their name on, on the currency. And my mind is blanking out right now. So <laughs> uh, Minerva, yes, thank you. So Secretary Minerva had a meeting with Barbara Howard, a couple of the members of Barbara's coalition from the uh, no, indigenous uh, Native American population. And one person was invited from the blind and low vision community, myself. And we had a 30-minute meeting. Yeah. We had a 30-minute meeting with the treasurer of the United States. And Barbara and, and her team kind of started off. And we're you know, mainly talking about the right, of course, the inclusiveness and inclusion of Harriet Tubman on the $20 bill and those conversations. All I said was hello. 12 minutes into the conversation, Secretary Minerva says, Dan Spoon, I hear, I see you are here representing the American Council of the Blind. How did your meeting go with the Bureau of Engraving and Printing last month? I went, it went quite well, and we're going to have another meeting at the end of May. She said, great. Please keep me informed on how that meeting moves along. I always worry that we need to keep the Bureau of Engraving and Printing moving forward. So it's that kind of coalition that led to us being in that meeting that leads to that kind of awareness. She, along with Janet Yellen, are co co-ly responsible for the Bureau of Engraving and Printing in the Federal Reserve. So she has a very active role to play. And so that was, again, illustrative to me of the power of us working together with others. We then followed that up on June uh, 8th, we had a, a planned scheduled meeting back with the Bureau of Engraving and Printing. Again, the same cast of individuals are there. And now we had Justin who joined us, who is the gentleman who's part of the Advanced Counterfeit Deterrent Group, which <laughs> consists of, you know, guys, I've learned a lot about money here in the last couple of months. So... So this group is made up of representatives of the Treasury, the Bureau of Engraving and Printing, the Federal Reserve, the Secret Service. I mean, there are all these different entities that are involved in, in, in detecting counterfeit bills, right? And Department of Justice legislating against this. And so, and really working towards it. And so we uh, went through and kind of went through the, the major milestones for going live they, they communicated in that meeting that their plans are to go live with the $10 note fourth quarter of 2026. So we finally got a date. We got a time that they're shooting for. What's required to get there? They are now on their final, what they hope to be their final phase of checking out the true, what they would call requirements for the bill. There's 420 different requirements that have to be met on this currency. Currency does not just get printed like it goes through three or four different printings of different layers of ink. And after every one of those layers of ink that then gets embossed, then it stacks and dries for three or four days. Then they run it again. Then it stacks and dries Then they run it again. Then they cut it. It's it's an amazing process. But what? What, is, what happens is there's levels of counterfeit detection 
that are built into each layer of that printing. And so in great, integrated in all that is now the tactile raised features, which is ink. It's just a round of printing of ink that makes that happen. And they've got counterfeit watermarks on the other side that balance off the extra width because of the tactile rates feature that keep them in balance. What happened to them with the $100 bill? They put that string, that thread in the 100. I don't know if you all remember that. Once they put that thread in, and guys, they put these bills in big, huge pallets, right? So there's, there's 400 bills in a, no, excuse me, there's 1,600 bills, 40 packets, 16,000 bills, I'll get it right. There's 40 packets of 400 bills that come into one packet. And then there's 40 of those packets that get put into a big pallet. So these pallets weigh 1,400 pounds. That's a lot of weight of money, right? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> one pallet has 640,000. So if it's dollar bills, that's $640,000. If it's $100 bills... <laughs> Yeah, do the math, right? That's $66,400. Is that right? Am I doing that right? No, $64 million. $64 million worth of money sitting there. Well, these big pallets, when they put the thread in there, they were actually falling over and hurting people when they were all stacked up because they were out of balance. So that was big, you know. So anyway, a little more information than you probably wanted. but <laughs> But as part of all that, their first round of testing is making sure all the counterfeit regulations work, that the bill is good to go. So they are on their final phase of that. They're hoping to have us back in September or October when that round of te testing finalized. Then the next level of testing is what they call their technical inspection quality test. So there are systems in all of this custom machinery that detects any anomalies, if things are not printing correctly, they're not cutting correctly, all of this stuff. So they now have to test the quality testing procedures, which is all kind of software to make sure all that works. So that's their next round of testing, which takes them three to six months. Then once they do that, they have to do their final, what they call stress test, where they're now at full production cycle. All these bills for the $10 bill are going to be fit printed in the Dallas-Fort Worth facility. We had their uh, manager of that facility was on our call as well. So that's the third run. Once that final run is done, now we are two years from production, and they have to now turn these completed $10 bills over to the bank equipment manufacturers. So now this raised tactile feature in the $10 bill with all its counterfeit per, per provisions in place has to work in the ATMs. It has to work in the high-speed money sorters and printers. It has to work in vending machines. It has to work at the checkout line at your local grocery store with all the... So think of how what proliferation of those type of devices we've had since the last bill got introduced. So it has to be tested through all that. And then the final two phases are the massive production run to have the bills ready to go into circulation. And then the last year, then the communications plan. Because if you're introducing a new bill, especially with a tactile feature, you've got to let the world know. 
That's the other thing we learned is that U.S. dollar is not just a national currency. It's an international currency. It's actually the only currency in 20 different countries in the world beyond the United States. So it's got to work everywhere. Now, on the bright side, banks have had to make accessible currency work in different sizes, shape, tactile features all over the world, right? So we're not the first one to the game. We're the last one to the game. So they've got a lot of experience there. So that's the game plan. We'll keep working with, with them as we go through each cycle. But again, this is made possible because of the hard work of our ACB staff and the hard work of you all as members. So I just want to say thank you for getting us to this point. I'm, we'll, we'll keep our eyes on it. Yeah. And we'll provide you updates as we go along. <laughs> Show me the money, as someone said. <laughs> yes, bring samples. I, well, you know, um, the Bureau of Engraving and Printing will be in the exhibit hall this week. So go up and talk to them. I don't know if they're bringing any money with them or not. We'll we'll see. You know, so go ask. Yeah. What? OK, <laughs> Nancy said the money's gone. She's already taken it all, deposited it. Yes. All right. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> A donation from the Bureau of Engraving and Printing. That's right, Gabe. Thank you. Uh, all right. So next thing I wanted to update you on. So in the middle of the D.C., uh, you know, D.C. Leadership Conference and planning for this particular ACB conference and convention here in Schaumburg, we uh, had the opportunity to change office locations in Alexandria. So as soon as we got done with the rally, the staff worked very hard. Uh, Caitlin and uh, Sharon and Kelly and and Clark and Swatha and everybody worked in the Alexandria office kind of to get everything boxed up. And Nancy came down. Uh, very, very organized move. Uh, we were we went down on Tuesday in our old office and we were up on Wednesday fully working. Everybody moved in with all the communications working. It was really very, very seamless and just a big thank you to Nancy and Caitlin and everybody for organizing that. Now, one of the last things Eric Bridges did with Nancy and Nancy and I followed through after Eric left is we are not in our permanent new office. We are in a temporary space one floor below our new office because our new office is not ready to go yet. So we're in the building. We have the right address, but we have the wrong office space. Now, uh, what we were able to negotiate with the landlord is we get to stay in that temporary space free of charge until they get our space ready to go. So I want to thank Nancy for her, her excellent negotiation skills. And, uh, you know, so I think the staff is comfortable. I think they would be happy to stay in the temporary space for a little <laughs> longer if they had to. It's about twice the size of what our permanent space will be when it's ready to go. Uh -huh. uh, but they've gotten acclimated. Uh, I think they've really, uh, you know, gotten comfortable with, with the surroundings. It's right there in uh, Old Town, Alexandria, just right off King Street. So there's a lot of amenities around there. The Bureau, uh, I mean, the Blind Veterans Administration is only like a block and a half away. Uh, there's a lot of other disability um, uh, groups that that are headquartered in that particular location. 
it's really it's one block from the metro uh, where you have the Virginia train system, the metro, the buses. So it's really easy access. Uh, I was able to take two trips up to the D.C. office. The first one uh, we met, um, we met the CTA Foundation chair actually in the office right there. And so it was great to be able to meet Steve in person in the office. It was easy access. So I think it's going to be a lot more comfortable for our partners to uh, to to navigate that office space. We had an advisory board meeting there that week. Uh, and so I, I think it, it's, it's really a good move. And again, I just want to thank the staff for for pulling all of that off. Um, in addition, uh, you saw your reports, but uh, and I'll let the staff kind of go through what really uh, kind of the highlights for each of them were. But at this point in time, are there any questions for me? I, I will say one more thing. Um, you know, when when we got going and up and running, we you know our, we have a goal of raising over three hundred thousand dollars in sponsorships for this conference every year, and we need it to cover all the expenses. So several things have happened related to this conference. So when we kind of got all settled and it was the middle of April, we, we only had $50,000 worth of sponsorship commitments at that point in time. And here we were, you know, two months from the start of the convention. And so the team really rallied together, uh, as, truly as a unit. We met every Tuesday, we assigned to each, each corporate partner, who the lead person was going to be, who the backup was going to be, how we were going to follow through on the sponsorship request. I can't, I can't say enough about Clark Rockfall and how he really stepped up and did an amazing job working with so many of our partners, introducing me to many of them that I had not met yet. We pulled other folks in like Kim was our representative for Amazon. Leslie was our representative for Humanware because she's connected with them through the auction. And everybody really pulled together. And, you know, three weeks ago, we didn't have $50,000 in sponsorships anymore. We had over $305,000. So, so the team... The team really, really came together and, and worked extremely hard. The other thing I want to share with you is from an audiovisual standpoint, when we got started, just I just, you know, I'm a numbers guy, but I want to give you all just a little bit of an understanding of where prices have gone for things. So we got our first quote back for the audiovisual requirements for this convention. It was $88,000 for audiovisual services. That's how crazy this stuff has gotten. So Rick, uh, Rick Morin really worked to put a whole team together, working with Nancy and Janet and myself, and we kind of came up with an alternate plan from what we would normally do. So you're going to see kind of our own ACB audiovisual team here this weekend. We've got uh, Dennis Becker, who's going to do our video work, who's, you know, you all know from coming and doing some video and photography in the past. We got Ryan Cordell, who's going to do our sound work. We've got Duns Doug Hunsinker, who's going to manage our other breakout rooms other than the hybrid rooms and help with those for all the sound and connections and recordings. 
And we've got Bryn Lee, who's going to manage our assisted listing devices. And this team, all managed by Rick, negotiating down us bringing in some of our own equipment versus using the hotel equipment, we were able to, you know, you know, really reduce that that whole cost of this by almost in half. And that's it's a new model for us. So we're going to see how it works. I think it's going to be a better model because now we know exactly what to ask for from the hotel. And we have a working team that they're our team. They're not the hotel team. They're our team. And they know us. And I think it's going to be a good step forward. But please provide us feedback as we go through this week. It's something we haven't done before. But I think we're going to do it. And I think we're going to do a really good job. So I just want to give a big shout out to Rick and Nancy and Janet for pulling all that together. They really did a great job. And you'll also see that communications now, Janet, of course, does amazing with communications, but we heard last year from many of our members that, you know, it's, it was kind of confusing where the con communications were coming from, the daily schedules and these type of things. So now uh, Kelly Gask, our communications uh, manager of communications. Yay, Kelly. She's 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 in the lead role for communications. And I think you're seeing lots of communications come out from Kelly and uh, and also the team has worked to pull together, you know, a new version of ACB link that she'll be talking about more. But that has really been streamlined and adding a lot of value. And, you know. The time that this staff puts into this, you know, I I, I appreciated our staff. But now that I'm the executive director, it has given me a much more enriched appreciation of our staff. When Kelly Gask is calling me at 5.30 in the morning and texting me because she's trying to get communications out for the day. When Nancy Becker is supervising an election at 12.30 at night, when she's got to be back at it at seven o'clock the next morning. When Clark Ockful has got an advocacy, uh, you know, a, a, a conversation with the FCC in one ear, and he's got a, a, a legislative aide in the other ear, and he's answering my task, text, I don't know how he does it. <laughs> but he somehow does it, and he does it in a very eloquent way, and he, and he, he somehow can I don't he can, I don't know how he can participate in so many things at the same time. It's amazing to me, but he does an absolutely amazing job. Our new our new audio description project uh, coordinator, Tapitha Kinlon, has really made a huge difference in audio description. Yeah, truly have. And and our and now we promoted mm -hmm. Jolyn and Colby, and you're really seeing the dedication to resource development and the structure being put in place with the help of Bill Reeder, our our consultant. It's transformative to see how all this team is working together. I'm very proud of them. Excited to be have a small role in helping us move forward here over the next year. And I'd like to now turn it over to our team, if that's okay with you, Madam President. Yes, it is. All right. So next we'll hear from Clark Rockfall.
<laughs> Is he going to be talking out of both sides of his mouth? Oh, and so. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> if, he, if he's a good, if he's a good advocate, he will be speaking out of both sides. Correct. <laughs> and and still better than where most people talk from in Washington. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So hello, everyone in Schaumburg and hello to everyone on Zoom. Uh, my name is Clark Rockfall, your director of advocacy and governmental affairs for the American Council of the Blind. Uh, Dan already stole the Bureau of Engraving and Printing and Accessible <laughs> Currency. Uh, so I will I will move on from that item. Uh, the board has the advocacy report. Happy to answer, answer any questions there. I'd like to highlight one item and then turn it over to our advocacy and outreach specialist, Swathanandi Kumar, to highlight a couple more. Um, so first, many of our efforts are related to the accessibility of technology. Um, why technology? Because you either need accessible transportation or accessible technology to get what you want in our world today. Right. In some cases, it's both, as Swatha will touch on in a little bit. So whether it's the Websites and Software Applications Accessibility Act, the Communications and Communications Video and Technology Accessibility Act, um, the Medical Device Non-Visual Accessibility Act, or Accessible Exercise and Fitness for All. All of these deal with making technology in different uh, sectors more accessible and I, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm in DC, maybe I'm just too close to the issue, but it really feels like we are making solid headway in this regard. Um, so we are excited that um, the, the CVTA, one of our legislative imperatives is set to be reintroduced here this summer. Um, you know, more details obviously to come on that as as the uh, imminent date draws near. Uh, one of our legislative imperatives has already been reintroduced on a bipartisan basis in the House of Representatives, the Medical Device Non-Visual Accessibility Act, HR 1328. Oh, Tom, did I get that right? 28. It's 28, yep, 1328, yeah. Um, you know, the, there, are, there are a lot of competing priorities in in Congress and in DC, so we are we are excited that these are uh, priorities for our partners, not only our partners from the the blindness community, the deaf and hard of hearing community, the cross disability community, but our partners in government as well. Um, this was made very evident this year for Global Accessibility Awareness Day where again, through uh, ACB, Swatha and my outreach to the new director of disability policy at the White House. So unfortunately, Dayal Mohammed is no longer in that role at the White House, but we reached out to the new director of disability policy who has a seat on the Domestic Policy Council to introduce ourselves in this issue. And that went from being a meeting with ACB American Foundation for the Blind, National Federation of the Blind, and National Disability Rights Network, our core group working on the web access legislation, to 
a broader disability meeting with National Association of the Deaf and AAPD, American Association for People with Disabilities. But it was a broader meeting on the administration side as well. So in addition to the Domestic Policy Council, the National Security Council was represented. The Department of Justice was represented. The State Department was represented. And we had, oh, and excuse me, uh, former representative, the Honorable Tony Quello was there with us as well, because he's a champion for this issue. And we had an hour of their time to talk about why the Department of Justice with the administration's support moving forward, Title II and Title III, uh, ADA regulations for website and digital accessibility, why that's so important, why it's so important for all of the other agencies and departments within the federal government, such as Health and Human Services, Housing, Urban Development, education and others, why it's so important for them to update their Section 504 regulations from the Rehabilitation Act. Um, one, I guess a, uh, a reason that this is so important, take housing and urban development, for example. Um, they have their advanced notice of proposed rulemaking that SWATHA is working with the Pedestrian Environmental Access Committee and Sue Crawford on drafting comments for ACB right now. Those regulations haven't been updated since 1988. So we have websites, we have applications, we have technology that's in uh, housing complexes, not only in the housing facilities, the, you know, the individual units, but shared laundry spaces, exercise and fitness centers. Um, all of these are important to be made accessible and these regulations are a great opportunity to help move that forward. So we're seeing a lot of opportunities like this uh, pop up. And in addition to that meeting with the White House, we followed that the very next day with a very broad disability coalition meeting at the Office of Civil Rights at Department of Justice. And the, this was like, you know, Festivus in May for Global Accessibility Awareness Day. They wanted to hear what they were doing well, but what else they were supposed to be doing. Um, so it was a great opportunity for us to hit these points again, to also bring up accessible pedestrian signals and the public rights of way accessibility guidelines for us to raise accessible voting, not only in person, not only voter assistance, but remote accessible voting that includes electronic ballot return. So all of these are areas where uh, we have a seat at the table, where people with disabilities are represented within the administration and are able to push internally for these issues as well. And I mean, call me a sucker, but I'm feeling rather optimistic right now. Now, we also know that we need to get things done before the end of 2024. So we have a, I mean, in terms of government, a pretty short runway here to move everything forward, but there is a lot of activity going on right now to make that happen. And, you know, we, we share, you know, your passion and your concerns. We don't want activity without accomplishment. So that is our goal. It's to, you know, to get the ink down on paper, to get these regulations, regulations in place, to get these legislative efforts passed, 
so that we have more regulations to get in place. Um, and then I have greater job security because someone needs to write the comments for all of these issues. Um, at this time, I'd like to turn, I guess, unless anyone has any questions directly related to uh, digital accessibility, I'll turn it over to Swatha to hit a couple points. Oh, can we get uh, Jeff Tom a microphone? This is a, thank you. This is actually uh, back going back to um, currency, but uh, so I, whether it's a Dan question or a Clark question. Um, several years ago, when efforts seemed to be potentially coalescing around some improvement in the accessibility of currency, which failed to happen, there was fairly strenuous opposition from the vending machine industry. So I guess my question is, um, has that opposition uh, seemingly gone away or can we expect, even in light of all the currencies around the world, can we expect to have renewed opposition uh, from that industry over the next couple of years? Or do you, what do you hear in, on that front? I'll let Clark go first. Okay. Uh, it, thank you for that question, Jeff. In short, we've heard nothing. I've heard nothing on that front. Um, I, I think also previously it was an issue of the, uh, the timing of the currency in the security features where it was convenient for the treasury and the Bureau of Engraving and Printing to postpone the redesign. Um, at this point, you know, the, the $10 bill is, is scheduled, as Dan was saying, for 2026. And then in two-year increments, the $50 bill in 2028, the, um, the Harriet Tubman 20 in 2030, and then the $5 bill in 2032. All of these are the same family of new bills. So every, everyone is on the same page that what is done for the $10 bill will cascade into the other bills. So it's, it's not just a, a single standalone item that the raised tactile feature is going to be added to the 10 because it is entangled with all of these security features that are going to make up this new family of bills. But that's also why it's so important that the Bureau of Engraving and Printing gives uh, 16 months to two years for the banking equipment manufacturers, um, all, all of the entities out there that receive and dispense banknotes time to dial in the software of their equipments and machines. Thank you. Um, yes. Here we go. Uh, yes, uh, and just to add on a little bit to what Clark said, the other thing that we learned in our last meeting, and, and this is probably true of, of most industries, but there's eight or nine of these major um, bank equipment manufacturers, which own between them over between 80 and 90% of the market. So they're, they are having, this is not a surprise to them that it's coming. Um so we haven't heard any, like Clark said, I ha we haven't heard anything yet, but we're, 
Jeff Levicki has even, you know, in our in our conversations before or after, that that is his biggest concern. Is is something going to come that we don't know about? But like, you know, like Clark was saying, this is not the first rodeo for these major, you know, these eight or nine entities are truly international and, and involved around the world. So we're hoping that resistance has gone down. Now, I am a little worried a little bit more about that that 20%, which is another 80 or 90 vendors that own all the smaller, you know, the, you know, smaller type of, of work. And so I, I I think at some point in time they'll, you know, they're going to have to move forward. And so we'll see. But I think that's something very, very good point, Jeff. And we're going to keep, help keep our eye on that as that moves forward. So if anybody hears any resistance, please let us know as soon as possible. Yep. All right. It, so no other questions. Uh I I thought I thought we had settled, folks. I thought we had settled. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, Clark, my question to you: um, You said you've been having some meetings around the issue of remote voting with ballot return. Can you give us any idea? Uh, we we thought we were very close here in the state of Illinois, and unfortunately, the word security came up. Um, how what what other things can we do to counter that? Because our legislature basically believed a very uncredible source called Common Cause, they that thinks that this stuff is secure, not secure, even though they've been invited to test some of it and they haven't even done it. So, what um, what are some other strategies to to deal with that so we can put the full court press back on them this fall? Yeah, great. Great question, Ray. And, you know, there are, as as our friends from the Mobile Voting Project who presented at the leadership conference pointed out, there are, what, uh, 31 states plus the, the District of Columbia and the U.S. Virgin Islands that allow uniform military and overseas voters to mark, cast, and return their ballot electronically. So it, it's not a matter of whether it's secure enough because it is secure enough for those individuals in those 31 states and district and territories. There are only 14 states that are allowing that asterisk for North Dakota, which passed legislation, but it hasn't been implemented yet. Um, Alan Peterson and Zelda, I hear you. We're still working with you. Um, but there are only 14 that are allowing voters with disabilities to do that. So why is it secure enough for some, but not secure enough for others? The, it, the, I think one of the issues that you all are running into in Illinois is that you are trailblazers. And correct me if I'm wrong, but no one else within the state of Illinois may return their ballot electronically. And, and that's what our friends in New York are running into as well. Um, so that's going to be a, a more difficult advocacy effort because you are, you are making them uncomfortable and making them do something that they have never done before. 
But you can look to all these other states. It's not a red issue. It's not a blue issue. It's not an urban issue. It's not a rural issue because there are many, uh, many states that everyone would like to drop into a single bucket that have all done this and moved this issue forward. So with our partners, we, we are continuing the conversation of uh, having secure election security officials and engineers and testers validate these systems. Uh, because it's one thing to just, like you were saying, for folks just to raise the boogeyman of security, 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 and that's that's all they do, right? There's there's no facts backing it up. So we are trying to work with our partners to get facts on our side saying these systems are secure and they're secure enough for voters with disabilities, for uniformed military and overseas voters. Um, I know that that's not a... Uh, a silver bullet for helping move this through the state uh, legislative process, but this is going to be a, a hard fought advocacy effort. You all have already made really strong progress in Illinois, um, as have recently the ACB of Texas and the folks down there uh, getting electronic ballot delivery and completion. Um, just like the folks up in New York. And New York's already starting to work on that next step, just like Illinois is. How do we now get electronic ballot return? And if there are no other questions at this time, I'll turn it over to Swatha to highlight a couple issues. Thanks, Clark. Um, hi, everyone. This is Swatha and Kumar. Um, I am ACU's African Average Specialist. Um, and um, Clark mentioned a lot about access to the digital environment. Um, we see this right now with the um, Federal Aviation, Aviation Administration's um, reauthorization, reauthorization. So this process, um, the federal the FAA has reauthorized for to run again for planes and all that. So um, in this um, process, we see um, bills that are incorporate um accessibility for blind people and for people with disabilities in the um the digital space. So one bill particular is called the Equal Equal Act Act. This act would um it would mandate that um airlines maintain access accessible websites websites and mobile apps um and that has made it in um part and part of the, this bill, um, this bill uh, required to feed it into um, both the House and Senate versions of, versions of the FAA. Real, real. Um, we also see um other um provisions that would um improve accessibility for for our community. If guide dog users and um people people with other um disabilities. So. This this process is now being very inclusive and it's um it's as being accessibility a, a priority for um religious beliefs. Another um highlight is that um ACB with um partners in the cross community have sent a letter to um the House Energy and Energy and Commerce Energy and Commerce Committee um to Kind of 
urged urged Congress to pass legislation that would um create and that would create like a framework or um framework for accessible um autonomous vehicles autonomous vehicles and um make them accessible and um kind of research and development process. So um we this letter this letter was led by ECB it also um included members from the um this this committee uh this from the um physical 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 community or the autistic community or other other um, members of the community as well. Um so this bill was this this letter was sent to the House um committee um this week actually uh, Wednesday. So um yeah we like, Many states have rolled out. Many states have rolled out, like um, or have addressed this. But I want, I want a national framework for a national um, kind of, um framework or a national um initiative. So that is one of our highlights. Uh, any questions? And thank you, Swatha. One thing that I'll add on that AV letter, um. There were what 15, I believe, 15 signatories from yeah. national organizations on that letter. And as Swatha said, it was sent on Wednesday. And either Wednesday or Thursday, we received a response thanking us for the letter, also including text for draft legislation related to autonomous vehicles and asking us for uh, our, our ACB's input on that draft. Um, you know, before before they start having hearings on the legislation here in July. All right. Again, thank you, Swatha, for raising the items of the 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 FAA reauthorization and accessibility, as well as the accessibility of autonomous vehicles and uh, creating a national framework. At this time, I. Uh, I ran it by the president, so we are going to uh, turn it over for audio description with our ADP coordinator, Tabitha Kenlin. Uh, one more. Just wait. We have uh, Doug Powell with a question. Thank you. Um, obviously, this organization is energized, <laughs> to say the least, about healthcare and um, uh, the rehabilitation services offered to older Americans. And the Older Americans Act is coming up for reauthorization at the, uh, the deadline is what, uh, September 30th of next year. Um, do we, uh, and we also have in the, in the, uh, in the outskirts here, uh, we, uh, we've been talking for several years about uh, the Teddy Joy Law, which mm -hmm. would kind of facilitate the kind of conversations I think that we're trying to have about organizing older uh, older issues around uh, you know care and rehabilitation um, into one entity so that you know so that the there, there would be an organized approach to those issues. Um, can we expect uh, like a full court press uh, by the organization uh, this coming year? Um, to try to uh, make as many inroads into all of these issues as we possibly can. Uh, 
Doug, that's a great question. And, and as you and the board and others are, are well aware, a lot of, of advocacy is about timing. And you just highlighted uh, a key reason why these issues are very relevant and very uh, poignant at this time, right? With the Older Americans, Older Americans Act needing to be reauthorized, with the administration's budget having uh, increased funding available for uh, for the the OIB program, right? Um, obviously, the the budget needs to be needs to be passed but that's a great indication of where the where the intent of the administration is and where they would like policy to go so i i would say yes yes that this will be a priority in conjunction with uh, you and the alliance on aging and vision loss yes it'll be a priority with our partners like uh, vision serve and the Aging and Vision Loss National Coalition. Great. Any other late blooming hands in the room? <laughs> There's still time. I still have the microphone, folks. All right, I'm gonna hand. The, I'm gonna turn the mic over to Tabitha Kenlin. Okay, hello. Um, so I'll just uh, tell you a little bit about a couple recent ADP things. Um, most recently, we just completed our ADP conference as part of the ACB conference and convention. It was entirely virtual, so I'm sure that you all attended all seven sessions. Yes, <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Um, it was my first ADP conference, and um, I enjoyed it. We did have seven sessions um, moderated by ADP superstars, Joel Snyder, Carl Richardson, and Kim Charlson. Round of applause. Um, and um, yeah, they did a great job. Uh, we got representatives from, well, Carl got representatives from all of the major streaming services to talk about what they're doing um, about accessibility and audio description. Um, we managed to get a really, um, really tough get in Clark Rockville um, to tell us more about the CVTA. Um, we had people from various arts organizations and people around the world doing research and um, advocating for audio description internationally. So it was, um, it was a pretty packed schedule, very informative. Uh, we have our next Audio Description Institute coming up in August, so if there's still time to register for that, if you're interested. Um, I audited in February. It was really interesting. I recommend it. Um, the ADP awards are going to be officially announced on July 5th during the general session. Um, uh, hi, Jeff. <laughs> um, um, chair of the ADP awards committee. Um, and uh, he and I were the MCs, and Dennis was our videographer, and we got um, acceptance remarks from all of our um, stunning awardees. And I'm quite pleased um, that uh, two of our, our award winners are actually um, blind. So we're, we're showing that blind people can do audio description and, um, you know, really be participatory in the, the whole creative process. So that's great. Uh, we also, as part of that video, have our 
Beatty essay award winner reading her essay and um, she's just one of my favorite things. So <laughs> I keep talking about how awesome she is, but just wait, you'll see the video on Wednesday and you will agree with me. <laughs> Uh, we're also working on the Big Splashy Awards Gala, which will be in November. We just concluded um, the nomination process for our People's Choice Awards um, just a few days ago. Uh, so the finalists will be up for a vote, um, I think a week or so after convention. So uh, look for those emails so you can cast your ballot. Um, we paid a visit to a national park yesterday, the, the Pullman National Park, yes, <laughs> um, and uh, it was part of the uni description um, uh, efforts before my time, but it was um, very cool to, to be there and and see what, uh, what happens when um, there's this great collaboration between um, National Park Service employees and um, I think primarily um, ACB volunteers creating audio description for um, the park brochures. And then um, we got a very personalized um, interactive tour of the, the visitor center there with the um, a really interesting exhibit. So it's kind of a, a schlep, but if you can make it, recommend it. Um, and of course you can listen to the audio described brochure from the comfort of your own room. So there's that. Um, I think those are the, the big things. Okay. Well, the date of the um the awards gala um is November 14th. So Park's very excited about it. I, I was also very excited for the Pullman National Historical uh, Site and Museum yesterday. So a big thank you to Saja Kerala for helping to organize and facilitate uh, that, that trip, that event, as well as the focus group that followed our participation. All right. Well, Madam President and... Mr. Executive Director, that is it for the advocacy and ADP reports. Thank you so much, Clark and team. Excellent, excellent report. And next we will hear, oh, we have questions. Okay, I'm sorry, we're not we're not ready yet. We have questions. Thank you. Uh, more than a question, a comment. Thank you, Clark, Swatha, and thank you, Tabitha, for um, the audio description highlights. Um, just also wanted to share with everyone that uh, the audio description gala in November will be simultaneously streamed in Spanish. Mm -hmm. And wanna definitely shout out to our friends and colleagues from the CAPTA Foundation uh, led by Maria Victoria Diaz who are being a great partner in, in this endeavor, so. You'll be able to listen to both English and Spanish simultaneously. Great. And this this is Doug again. I I just wanted to point out that not only does Unity work with um, the Park Service to create accessible brochures for the for the park, but what we're doing there is training people on staff to do other things at their parks and make them more accessible to blind people. So I don't want that to get swept under the carpet. 
and 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 this is Clark to to Doug's point. I would just add that it's not only making it more accessible for people who are blind, because as as Dan likes to highlight, as we've worked with the National Institutes on Health on making COVID tests more accessible, when they had focus groups of people who are blind, people with physical you know physical dexterity impairments, and older individuals, about eighty percent of the accommodations that were raised benefited all three groups. So what they do to more effectively communicate to people who are blind by having visual, tactile, and audio means of sharing information that benefits children, that benefits uh, children and adults with different learning modalities, and it benefits older Americans as well. Thank you. And, and we saw that, right, Clark and Tapta and, and team, we saw that at the at the Pullman uh, Park yesterday. Uh, it was pointed out by the, you know, the, the supervisor of the park rangers, Sue, that their most popular exhibit there is their tactile map and their tactile model of the train, not just for blind and low vision people. Uh, students, kids love it. People on the autism scale. It's amazing where you see the benefits that happen across society when you do the right thing. Yeah. Very good. Thank you, Clark. Thank you. Uh, any more hands, Nancy, on advocacy? All right. We, are we will now move on to uh, resource development, and we're going to hear from our associate uh, director, uh, resource director of development, uh, JoLynn Bailey Page, and I hope maybe uh, we also have Bill uh, that will be on with us, Bill Reeder, uh, hopefully on Zoom, and uh, JoLynn and Bill and Colby, if you're around, take it away. Good morning, everyone. Um, this is JoLynn Bailey Page, and I'm the Associate Director of Development here at the American Council of the Blind. Um, thank you so much for giving us time today to talk a little bit about fundraising and development. Um, Bill Reeder, I believe, can't be with us today. There, uh, He may have had a conflict with the schedule. And I think Colby is still in the air. Her flight was delayed. So um, please bear with me. I will try to do my best to speak for both of them. Hopefully she's getting some respect as she's flying I, here today. I do, not, I, I do not have Colby's voice. I'm sorry. Um, but I will ask, um, we respect you and we hope you'll respect us. So, um, I hope everyone on the board had a chance to read our report this year. We spent quite a bit of time, not just reporting, but explaining process for the coming quarter and the remainder of the year. But what I'd like to do is just touch on a couple highlights uh, in terms of our goals. Um, and then go into detail just a little bit more. But as we move into the remainder of the year, we are still focusing on the two key development objectives for 2023. And that is number one, to ensure the retention. That means to keep contact with and uh, excite those who are individual donors or corporate and foundation donors. We want to retain them from 2022 energize them with what's going to be happening uh, in ACB in 2023 and beyond. 
you've already heard this morning the you know the level of excitement with our advocacy with audio description and honestly that's that's continuing on into all our other areas so with development we're here to make sure that we with everyone's help the board committees volunteers and we thank you all so much this year for your effort we're here to make sure that we can raise the money to um, help folks be excited about giving and investing in ACB. Uh, so number one, we're going to be working on retaining our donors um, and developing continuing good relationships. And then as we've moved on into this year, we found ways um, to think about identifying new donors, again, among our individuals and our corporations and foundations. This is where um, we've spent a considerable amount of time reviewing what we already have, what the potential opportunities are, and looking for ways to engage the entire ACB community. And that means we really do want to reach out to the board more for interactive involvement, education, uh, excite our and engage our volunteers to help with this effort so that we are functioning truly as one entire large community. This last quarter with, um, as Colby reported, for individual giving, she has done a spectacular job of establishing herself. She's, she's learning. She tutors with Bill Reader three times a week to learn about fundraising basics and specifically in terms of uh, her ability to communicate with the annual uh, side of development, annual fund side. So she meets with the monthly monetary support committee, our auction, Brenda Dillon walk, and our major gifts. She's done a great job with outreach. She was tremendously helpful um, in re-engaging our annual giving society reception this year. Um, a real trooper with making calls. <clears throat> And I'm really excited to report that we have we had 70 affirmative replies. We're expecting about 70 people on Sunday. So if you are a member, um, and this is for, for donors who gave $250 or more in uh, 2022, please join on um, Sunday. You should have received an invitation. If you didn't, please contact me. But I think it's a great opportunity for folks to read reconnect, but most of all for us to say thank you very, very much. Um, another, um, something very interesting came out of Colby's first week or two with us um, in terms of finding that webinars, materials, researching were totally inaccessible to her. We tend to use the Foundation Center for a lot of our grant and corporate research. Not accessible. The, most of the webinars she attended, not accessible. So Colby's already found herself on the ad advocacy side. And whenever something happens, she's right there reaching out. As you can imagine, she is just stellar, you know, with that personality and her positive outlook. She has really engaged with a couple of the nonprofits to help them learn a little bit more and make their programs more accessible. 
We're also creating uh, an accessible curriculum for teaching fundraising techniques to folks who are blind or visually impaired. Um, board members, this is coming to you this fall. Um, some workshops on fundraising, um, on board building, but most of all, being able to tap into those resources in an accessible way. As, as we all know, the last year has been very challenging financially for personal, you know, for us as individuals, for corporations, foundations, and in general, just the entire economy. Um, we have seen an overall drop in giving, but that has just spurred us to make our own case for support stronger. And so we've devoted quite a bit of time this last quarter to working on a new case for support and feel like that has become quite comprehensive. Um, we're going to be um, focusing much more strongly on making our case for support strong in diversity, equity, and inclusion so that we are able to position ourselves to uh, gain greater grant and corporate foundation funding, corporate foundation funding. Um, we had an opportunity this spring to apply for a very, very large grant. This was promoted by Mackenzie Scott, who is uh, a prominent philanthropist now and is devoting a lot of her grant giving to nonprofits and other community-led uh, organizations who don't normally have access to funding. The grant, which was called the uh, Yield Giving Open Call, is in the amount of $1 million in unrestricted funds. Now, this is, this is an extremely competitive grant. We're competing with several thousand entries. Um, we spent about a month working on our case for support. It was a very, very detailed grant with um, probably 14 narrative sections. Even though this is a reach for us, we felt it represented a great investment in our time and energy in terms of looking at all of our programs and services, our strengths, our weaknesses, and positioning ourselves to be a contender for this grant. But what it did is gave us the opportunity, to, again, to look at each of our areas and build um, good rationales for funding. We will know a little bit more this month whether or not we were uh, accepted to move on to the next level. But again, this will also give us the opportunity to interact with other nonprofits who are applying for this grant, and it will position us to uh, have access to other funders going forward. Just participating in this process uh, is, is an asset for ACB. In terms of overall grants for this year, uh, we are continuing to build out our pipeline it's a challenging year again. Uh, foundation funding is down uh, probably 27%. Recent surveys showed that uh, 
that with the challenges of the economy, um, our, our funders are cutting back. That doesn't necessarily, uh, it's not necessarily negative. It just means we need to sharpen our focus and be ready. Something very positive has happened in the last two or three years. And I wanted to share this with you. I did share it in the foundation uh, in our report. But in March 19, March of 2019, the Ford Foundation and the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation formed the President's Council on Disability Inclusion and Philanthropy. It's a group of 17 foundation chief executive officers. They've committed to um, elevate disability inclusion within philanthropy, and they will promote it within their own foundation's work. This, this has really become a burgeoning cause. Um, out, outgrowths of that included the Disability Inclusion Fund and the Disability and Philanthropy Forum, which provides resources to support learning throughout the foundation world and corporate world about disability. So I'm sharing this because our development team is going to be focusing a lot more on, on reaching out to foundations who have responded to the call and to establish new connections so that going forward, we will focus our own efforts within ACB on making sure that we are, we increase our diversity, we increase our equity, and uh, so that we represent all of those areas that foundations are, and corporations are looking to fund. One of the areas that I feel has really become stronger through hard work from Clark Rockball and Dan Spoon is our corporate area. Beginning last year with the AD Gala, um, they, we've really put into place a very structured approach, approach to our corporate funding. And the focus of that is to work on personal cultivation so that we're going to build strong relationships, um, identified all of our key corporate funders, built out a spreadsheet, um, began to identify our new partners for outreach and identified our leads within ACB to make sure that we maintain strong connections on a regular basis. And thanks to Dan and Clark, this is, this is working like a, almost like a machine now. And for the uh, funding for convention this year, um, it was really well done. I, I want you to thank both of them because they have, They've worked very hard to make sure that we have a regular basis for communication now and for outreach and establishing uh, new connections. Going forward, we're going to focus on four areas, the National Conference and Convention, the Leadership Conference, the AD Awards Gala, and our Health Heroes and the Health and Wellness Initiative. So that's going to continue to be a, a you know a very strong focus as we as we go forward. In short, we're building a repeatable process in a structure that we really haven't seen within ACB previously. 
So we'll, we'll build out the team that does the personal outreach for these corporations and um, make sure that we have a strong foundation going forward. I'm not, I don't know that it's, I, I'd like to take questions. I have a feeling there will be some. Um, if there's anything, uh, Dan or Clark, that you'd like to chime in on for this right now, but mostly we're focusing on just making sure that we look at the organization as a whole, all of our programs and services, make sure that we're identifying the priorities, making sure that we position ourselves in all of our areas to appeal to the broadest base of funders that we can. Well, thank you, JoLynn. And uh, just for a little bit more context, because I learned as we went through this process as well, Mackenzie Scott, for maybe those who don't recognize the name right off, she is the ex-wife of Jeff Bezos, who's Amazon. the founder founder of Amazon, right? And, you know, in her settlement, I think she received a small sum of uh, $59 billion. So, and, it, and she's she very does. much a philanthropist. And I know even our local university, the University of Central Florida, my brother-in-law is on the faculty there. She, she gave them, yes, <laughs> she gave them a small donation of $40 million here last year. So, so she's she's got the money and she's out to help people. And so, but but beyond that, what I think is, as JoLynn highlighted, what it really did was bring our team together to work on this grant. It was not a resource development only effort. It was really a total team effort, which ended up with professionally done videos that that Kelly and and others helped coordinate it was narrative from Clark and and figures from Nancy and everybody just really pulling together to really highlight uh the capabilities and the programs that ACB offers including you know our role in diversity equity inclusion and accessibility because we're seeing more and more funding coming in that particular area. And we're doing a lot through our resolutions that we passed, uh, you know, through our tracking of, you know, folks, uh, gender and race and ethnicity, uh, our mentoring program, our leadership fellows program, uh, you know, our outreach to the, the, Spanish language community with being bilingual in so many of our events. Now we're working really hard to, to, to promote diversity inside of our organization and out. And I think it's another good story that we can tell. So thank you, JoLynn. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Colby, for all your hard work. And it's really a team that's gotten formed here in the last six months. And they're really really moving in the right direction. So questions for JoLynn? Yes. Uh, I just wanted to, uh, this is Deb, I just wanted to comment in addition to this. Um, I think that the most valuable piece of, of building this um, McKinsey Scott 
um, application is the long range sort of portfolio raise building. Um, as you know, I, my whole career was soft funded and, and I learned really early on in that process that if you have this portfolio in place so that you actually know what your assets are, it not only helps you determine which things to go after because they look like you or you can look like them is what you're really doing. Um, or the other piece of that is to also be ready to pivot quickly because often these application processes are fairly short or you learn about them late or whatever. So um, I think the fact that we've actually been building a library of information that will be applicable to future funding endeavors is going to make a huge um, difference in ACB's kind of resiliency and responsiveness when it's time to apply for funding, which it always is for us. So um, I think that that is going to be huge. And I just totally commend our development group for really undertaking this in a serious way. And I know they were because uh, not only do we have these outcomes, but I was hearing from Bill at all hours of the day and night with really interesting questions that are not the kind that you usually ask, you know, about in an organization, but they were just sort of things that you'd want to know if you're building that kind of portfolio. So like, well, you know, who's really on our board and who's really chairing all of our committees and what assets do those all bring? And in addition to all the staff assets and all the other things we have, and, and do you think all these volunteer hours are real? And, you know, just every kind of question. And I think that's exactly what you want to do so that you can totally build your portfolio. So I'm I'm just delighted. That's good. Thank you, Jalen. Uh, some reports um, written and verbally. Really appreciate it. Um, I just have a couple of quick questions and um, just hoping you can expand on it. So I think it's great. I know that Kobe has been doing the curriculum. So with that, what type of curriculum and how do you guys plan on moving that forward? And is there plans to have the board help move that forward? Um, just can you expand, expand a little bit on that? Uh, good question. So you are, if I understand you, you're asking um, what will the curriculum look like and what is the timeline or and who will be involved? Correct. Yes, um, <clears throat> we are working, uh, the curriculum itself will be covering the basics of fundraising um, from discussing, you know, who is a prospect to what does a board look like? How, how do you build a board? How do you build a year long development program? Um, really all of the components involved in fundraising. So it will be broken down into chapters or units and we will probably, the plans right now are to develop a series of modules that are most useful to our ACB board and affiliates. Um, you know, affiliates need to raise money just like ACB National, and we want to be very useful to our affiliates. So we'll, we'll be focusing on individuals within ACB, the board, and on our affiliates to try to equip them with good, strong, basic foundation to go forward. And I would expect, um, we've been talking about 
offering this both in, in a board meeting, say a board workshop, working with affiliates individually, or also doing it through a community call, maybe uh, creating a series of uh, calls. That part hasn't been quite, quite fleshed out yet, but uh, Colby and Bill and I will all be teaching uh, different components of it and uh, probably learning by teaching as well. <laughs> so does that cover what you needed yeah. to know? Very good. Thank you very much. I mean, and that's, I think I'm looking really forward to it. I am hoping right. as well too, but I, I know I've been talking with Bill and Kobe and different things. Right. And I think it's an awesome thing right. that ACB is doing and, and Kobe's doing. So, and again, they will be accessible. I, I know Colby is reaching out to Candid, which is uh, the merger of the foundation center and GuideStar. They're, they're the primary resource for a, for a lot of research that that we do for our foundation funding and corporate, and it's not accessible, and it, it can be done fairly easily. And then with the new disab the Disability and Philanthropy Forum, there's a great resource library there. They have done a series of webinars which are fully accessible too. And um, we decided not to talk about it or put it in the board report this time. I think for fall, we'll be going into that in more detail. But if anyone on the board would like the, I'm happy to circulate the uh, website information because those web, the webinars uh, have been podcast. So anyone can go in and listen to the basics. And it's, it's just extremely valuable. I was so excited when I, I discovered that this spring that this was this was something that was going to be available. So I, I expect that we'll be investing a lot more time um, getting to know the people involved and uh, putting ourselves out there so that we are front and center. That's great. The other question I just had is, um, so you guys are really great with development stuff. So do we have, are you guys thinking about like the strategic planning on you know, down the line, what your goals are, like one, two, three, five and stuff. I know we have that as a board and stuff, but just as a nothing specific, but do you have any ideas of what you guys are looking at? Uh, could you go into a little more detail? Um, that's a good question. You know, before just, I bounce back, I, I just, you know, just kind of like what, what are your goals? You What are you guys are thinking? how things are going to be looking and what you're hoping in like one, one year from now with the curriculum expanding or do starting this or in three years, you know, are what? you, are you talking about actual dollar amounts or are you talking about the overall structure? The structure, I would say the structure, mm. oh, excuse me. You know, however you, yeah, both probably I would say, but what, however you can answer that. I, I think the immediate goal <clears throat> And, and in the next year, please excuse me, I'm really um, dry this morning, is to really return to a, a more traditional uh, development plan, you know, to in, in, include individual giving, corporate giving, foundation giving in a more structured way. And so as part of individual giving, the immediate goal for the next year is to make sure we have our annual giving in place to go back and revisit our, <clears throat> excuse me, planned giving and estate planning, um, continue to build out our major gifts program, 
just make sure all the structure for these elements is in place within the next year. And then with regard to foundation, um, building a very balanced pipeline um, throughout the year so that we aren't, <clears throat> excuse me, seeking money um, Jolette, so sorry, is, I'm just Jolette, very dry. Dan, I, I, yeah. If I can uh, add a little in there, um, I, I think Connie and, and other board members, what we continue to learn as we evolve and grow in this area, I'll, I'll put it in the different context. It's a context. So, so first, um, I think on the foundation and grant side, we're kind of taking a tiered approach. So the first thing is, we have existing relationships with the Washington Aid uh, Society, with Reader's Digest, with Gibney Foundation, with the National Park Service. So one of the things Bill and JoLynn have really been working on here over this uh, first quarter uh, is really following through and making sure, you know, keeping those relationships solid and sound in a time where Foundation money is becoming harder to come by, right? So, so, so first, you know, stabilizing those existing relationships, and then second, and JoLynn and, and Bill have been coaching me on this quite a bit. Where you can go if you're not careful is you can start chasing foundation dollars into programs that you don't really have an expertise in providing, and. Uh, Eric Bridges could, could give you a little of that background in, 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 in AFB that he's dealing with. I hate to use his name here, but, but, but what you have to be really careful of is that if you're accepting some of these grants, you don't go too far afield with the programs that you're going to develop to accept that grant money because you end up spending more time, money, and it's not your area of expertise. So we're learning, uh, and JoLynn kind of highlighted on this, if more and more money is coming, becoming available for really capacity building and those type of things and in general support and outreach. And so the more we can go for those type of grants, they don't come with a whole lot of restrictions to them. And so we're focusing on that type of money, those type of foundations, right, JoLynn? And then third is really finding those foundations that tie directly to our programs and missions and working on those. On the corporate side, and uh, we're, we're living this and experiencing this, now that we have a DC leadership conference where we have four or five, six sponsors, we have the convention where we have 30 sponsors, we have the AD Awards Gala where we have 12 to 15 sponsors. What we're learning is you know, corporations, it's hard to go back to a corporation the second time in the same fiscal year. So you have to kind of really be well planned out and will it real well positioned as you produce, present your opportunities to our corporate partners. Example would be that is say Charter Spectrum, who participates in both the convention and in the AD Awards Gala. And this year, as Clark and I had those conversations with Peter Kay and, and Charter Spectrum, they wrote us one check one time with sponsorships for both. And that's the way they want us to present to them in the future. So when they go back and plan their annual budgets, they've got both of our, our asks in mind. And we, we learned that this year we had, what, I think 10 corporate sponsors that gave to more than one of our events. 
And so that's something we're learning is, you know, you've got to understand the whole list, the, the whole year, not just the convention <laughs> as you have more, you know, events that are coming. And then third, as JoLynn said, and this is what Colby's really focusing on with JoLynn and Bill's help is individual giving. And again, we learned that, that, you know, there's people out there. Colby has made contact with our biggest donor, who I'll remain, uh, you know, uh, you know, we, we won't keep their name in public because they, they don't wish it to be that way. But she, you know, just calling to introduce herself again, made an outreach and connected with this person and had a wonderful conversation. And now this person, she's invited them to participate in the Jacksonville convention next year because they live in the South Carolina area and it looks like they may come. Right. And so it's, it's touches. Um, as Bill reader said, it's not that we haven't done most all of the right things to do for resource development. We just don't do them consistently because we were so volunteer based, we would do them and then we'd lose some emphasis and people would roll off and new people would roll on and so I think what what Bill and Jolyn and Colby will bring us is a sense of stability and a sense of continual follow through and development, which is what resource development takes. It's not a touch and then you don't talk to them for a year or two. It's a continuing ongoing relationship. Uh, Clark and I now have, you know regularly scheduled monthly meetings with different organizations where we're continually talking to them all year long, not just when it's convention time. And I think that that'll continue to grow. So that, that to me is where our strategic direction is. It's, it's, as Bill says, and Joel, it's, it's hard work. It's just continually developing and increasing and improving those relationships. And, and then, then you find that, that, it's not a surprise when you're asking them, they're asking you so they can get it in their budget for the next year. And that's where we want to try to get to. The other area that we're finding, and I think Cindy and Joel, Cindy will talk about this a little later, corporate partners that we're working with now, many of them have foundations. And so I think, I, I don't know if Jolene mentioned this or not, because I got pulled no, away for just a second. It was, are you thinking JP Morgan? Chase? Yeah, yeah. Yes. You mentioned that? Go ahead. You're on a roll. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so at, 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 out of that conversation with JP Morgan Chase, we found out that they have a program called Tech for Social Good. That's a whole separate program outside of their foundation. Well, their foundation folks and their, and their product folks introduced us to the Tech for Social Good program with uh, Jake, Jake Wilkerson, who runs it. Now, through those conversations, and Cindy will talk about this a little later, we're going to be invited to participate in their hackathon, where they're going to talk about our community platform and the different things they can do to improve our, our processes and our systems to support that. So, again, it's, it's kind of this ongoing relationship building type thing. We have a relationship with Walmart, who sponsors our convention every year, has sponsored as a health hero. Uh, Joanne Stevens, that we've been working with there, says she'd love to introduce us to their Walton Foundation, right? That's the next step to get into these corporate foundations where you get a more sustainable amount of, of, of giving and resource development. So 
we're at the early stages, but I think we're, we're, we're doing the right building blocks. And you're right, Connie, this all has to be built into a strategic plan. <laughs> not, yeah. not the money, because you can't be sure of the money, but the processes that bring you the money. Dan, could yes, I, please. I just wanted to jump in with one more example of that. And that is um, Sony America yes. approached us. It was complete cold call. They just are looking for a partner. Um, in accessibility and reached out and we had a wonderful conversation with them. Clark did a masterful job of, of kind of continuing the Mackenzie Scott discussion. You know, we had submitted the grant the day before and he had done his video for Mackenzie Scott and repurposed it <laughs> the next day. And they are, uh, they would like to support convention and the AD Gala, and we will be in continued talks with them for other ways that we can form, I, I think, a very, very strong partnership in the coming year. Thank you both for, you know, Jolene and Dan. And you get you know, exactly what I probably didn't answer, ask it the best way, but. Well, Dan jumped in. I, I think, Dan, <laughs> would you like to be, but that's would you what like I was to gonna, be the new I, director of development? Yeah, but I, I think it, you know, I think it's a good information for us as a board, but just as members to, to hear, you know, because you guys are, the report was so good. I mean, so I just, I think to hear it out loud and stuff too, and just the strategic plan part of it, I, you guys have been doing a wonderful job and I'm, I'm really proud of all of you guys for what you guys have been doing, all the staff. Well, as Dan said, in, in the past, it just wasn't as structured. We had, uh, we had under Tom, you know, when Tom Tobin was our director of development, he let he helped to lay that foundation. And um, as we've grown, you know, the need to expand that has grown too. So. Right. So thank you. I just and I really appreciate that the explanation from both of you guys. But I I just think it's a good, you know, moving forward. And so thanks. Um, can you take one more question, Jillian? Sure. Hey, this is Penny. It's so nice to finally meet you in person. We've had such nice conversations on the phone. Um, I'm, I'm here as a representative of the Board of Publications. Mm -hmm. And so I was really interested in the portfolio of documents and media that you've developed for the McKenzie Grant, uh, McKenzie Scott Foundation. And I wonder how members could have access to those documents or are they proprietary? And I also wanted to say, I'll, I'll finish and then you can finish and sure. then everybody can move on. Um, um, the um, the Board of Publications, we are small, but we are mighty. Uh, <laughs> but we're also volunteers. Um, but we would love to help with this process. You know, our mission is to help facilitate communications for our members. and uh, But our mission is also to facilitate and improve communications with the world at large so that they can learn who we are. So we're there and we hope you'll remember us when you need help with whatever you're thank doing. You. Thank we you. Um, thank you, Penny. Um, with regard, you know, with your question with, uh, in terms of the resources, we were required to answer, I, I think there were 14 or 15 questions and they, they revolved around the organization, mission, goals, um, ability to carry out programs, um, I could repurpose those, I could rewrite them and so that they are more of a running document rather than just the um, grant application, but we'll be glad to share those. Absolutely. 
Thank you. And but and the video that we did uh, was a 90-second video requirement. And Clark knows how to compress a lot into 90 seconds. You can find that on ACB's YouTube channel. Was he talking really fast? <laughs> yes. No, no. <laughs> Jolyn, thank you so much. Thank you so much for an excellent report. And uh, next, we're going to skip over Cindy. She's going to come on right after lunch. Uh, so we're next going to hear from Kelly Gask, our manager of communications, who's with us through Zoom. Hey, take it away, Kelly. Hey, can you guys hear me okay? Fantastic. This sounds okay. great. Awesome. Awesome. Good. That was, that was what I was worried about. I didn't want to do the same old played out. Hey, can you hear me? But <laughs> that's kind of necessary when you're on Zoom. Um, so the really cool thing about communications is that our team um, gets to work with uh, every member of the ACB team and volunteers as well um, to really uh, promote all the awesome work that everybody is doing. Um, and where where we come in, um, especially you know where I come in with with the uh, communications group is um, planning uh, the strategy and the structure. Um, around um, how we distribute our communications. So, you know, JoLynn had mentioned uh, in the development group, building a structure um, to really enhance um, all the work that is being done. And that's something that we have really, really geared up on, uh, on the communications team. So we are being proactive as opposed to reactive. So a lot of the big, uh, you know, communication items that we have surround our events, as you could imagine, uh, our leadership conference, the audio description awards gala, the the convention. So some of the stuff that I'm, I'm you know, the board has my report, so I'm only going to touch on highlights. But, you know, all this stuff has already been mentioned, right? Because like all of our team is working on these items together. Um, so really, you know, we are trying to not only, um, enhance our current presence, um, you know, our communications presence, but we're also trying to reach new audiences. Um, and that is, um, something that has been, um, pretty, uh, pretty big, especially this year, um, with our, um, uh, approach to having more content available in both English and Spanish. So, you know, our leadership conference, um, was available in, um, both English and Spanish for the virtual portion. Our audio description awards gala, as Gabriel, Gabriel mentioned, is going to be, um, available in both English and Spanish. And, you know, much of our, um, hybrid, uh, convention content, our virtual convention content is available in both English and Spanish. Um, we've done different documents, um, to really make it available. So what, what we, what we want to do, of course, is we want to make this available, but also for items like our audio description awards gala, we are, um, really trying to reach people who are, you know, strictly Spanish speakers. So, 
And for our audio description awards gala, we are um, looking at um, different ways that we can advertise on the radio, different influencers that we can contact on social media, different means where we can really get to those Spanish speaking audiences to make them aware that, that this content exists. Because, you know, as you can imagine, with a lot of the people that, you know, are strictly uh, Spanish speakers, they're older, you know, what do they, how do they tune into their content? Like, how can we find them? So that's why we're, we're looking at new ways that we can reach these audiences to let them know that this exists. And, um, you know, still something that we're working on, but it's really going to be a huge effort with um, the audio description award scala. Um, last year, Telemundo was an award winner at the audio description award scala. And we are working with uh, Diamela uh, Perez from uh, Telemundo to help um, promote and plan our audio description award scala in Spanish. We're also working with Maria Victoria Diaz from Decapta as well, who's just been fabulous. She's been working with us for a while um, on the audio description award scala. And then we've got folks from ACB like um, Gabriel that are really helping us make sure that this event is well done and that we are able to reach the correct audiences. So that's something that we want to do. And anyway, when we are doing English and Spanish, the Spanish needs to be just as good of a quality as the English. It needs to be prime quality because we are not going to put out content that, you know, is less than um, because that's that's not the way that we want to do things. So that that's been a huge reach this year. Um, a, a couple items that I'll talk about, um, and this goes as well with, with reaching some new audiences. So with our leadership conference, um, the currency rally that we held, um, we uh, basically did more communications efforts um, on this event um, than basically ever before. We live streamed the rally. And for the first time, we were able to live stream not only on Facebook and YouTube, but we also um, live streamed on LinkedIn and Twitter, which really expanded our reach. Um, we um, on, on YouTube alone, uh, our live stream received 600 views. So, you know, we're, we're, we're definitely um, trying to make sure as many people have access to our events as possible. Um, and that is expanding it to a virtual audience. Um, additionally, when we um, had put together the communications for the rally, we really wanted to make sure that people were able to share um, everything that we put together. So we had on the signage um, QR codes that people could scan with their phones. This was also available on our social media pages and our email list, where we had uh, links to more information, as well as pre-populated tweets that people could just click on a link and send it out. And it would send tweets to the administration. It would send tweets to the U.S. Treasury and um, the Bureau of Engraving and Printing. Um, so really trying to, um, you know, plan ahead so that we have um, a lot of different assets that we use, but also that people um, who are interested in sharing our information can use as well. Um, another item that I'd like to touch on is um, uh, basically with our um, convention this year, we have um, put a lot of effort into making sure that our materials are available in as, any, as many ways as possible. So Dan had mentioned that we have streamlined our communications. Um, we have a groups.io 
email lists, that we're sending out communications to our registrants. We're also trying to make sure that, you know, even if people aren't attending convention, they have access to some of the important um, information that we are distributing. So um, we have put together documents. Um, and we are also doing uh, podcasts and um, airing audio recordings of documents um, and other meetings on ACB Media. Um, we're using a, a bit more AI this year to read documents. Um, that has allowed us um, a little bit more time on the back end because you're not having to go through and edit people reading things through. Um, and it also adds some consistency to the way that um, everything is read. So really utilizing our podcast streams, um, especially because we found that um, people are digesting podcasts uh, more than anything else, um, even more than our ACB media channels. Um, and this allows people that, you know, maybe they're not as comfortable reading a document with a screen reader, but listening to a document or listening to a meeting recording um, is a way that they can process this information and get all the important uh, news and content that we have. We have um, two new podcast streams that we've introduced um, our ACB business podcast stream, which we have been heavily utilizing for items like resolutions, um, for some of the, the ACB business meet or for all of the ACB business meetings that are taking place. Um, so that's a, a good one to check out if you're interested in any of that content. And then uh, we also have our Spanish language podcast uh, feed as well, which we are posting all of our Spanish content to. So documents, presentations, we had uh, uh, the folks from the Space Telescope Science Institute that spoke about the James Webb Space Telescope, we, we had their presentation translated into Spanish. That's also available on that podcast feed in Spanish. So it's a really good way for us to um, disseminate that information. We're projecting around 300,000 listens to our podcasts at the end of the year, which is huge for us. So it's a great way that we have found that people digest um, information. Uh, the last thing that I'll touch on, I already touched on it a little bit, is the audio description awards gala. I know Tabitha already talked about this as well, but um, we are um, last year with our audio description awards gala, we had um, communications that went out over our social media channels, and that was the highest. Uh, participation level that we have seen uh, basically in the history of ACB across all of our communications was, was with our audio description people's choice award promotions. Um, on Twitter alone, with one tweet, we had over 230,000 um, interactions on one tweet about the audio description award scale of people's choice award. Um, and we had um, announcements that were shared by um, Twitter accounts like Star Trek, Disney Plus, Apple TV Plus, um, and it's a really a way for us to interact with um, television networks, streaming services, you know, uh, film companies, audio description vendors, all of the above. Um, to really promote this event and get the word out there. So just flagging that for you, we just had our nominations process that finished for the audio description uh, People's Choice Award for 2023. Coming up in uh, at the end of July, we will have the voting process for the finalists. And I would like to encourage everyone to vote if you are an audio description consumer um, and get involved and make your voice heard on that. So, um, oh, and then last thing, you know, as I have mentioned, 
we are um, really, really focusing on, you know, enhancing our current presence, but also moving forward in other areas. And on social media, we had not had as much of a presence on LinkedIn and Instagram. Um, we have done um, just just gone full blast with uh, the amount of posts that we've done on Instagram and LinkedIn, really enhanced uh, the quality and the amount of posts that were going out over those platforms. Um, we had um, a 71% increase in followers on Instagram. And on LinkedIn, we have had a 99.75% increase in LinkedIn followers. Um, LinkedIn is especially important um, because we are able to connect with um, professionals in the world around us from any number of um, different fields. Um, and also Instagram is a great platform to uh, connect with many people, including many young people as well. Um, so we are um, pushing forward with just, you know, full steam ahead on those two platforms, continuing our presence on other platforms, use, utilizing our YouTube channel to broadcast our um, video materials as well. And, um, you know, we can only move forward from here and make, make progress as we continue um, on. Thank you, Kelly. I, there's one stat. There were a lot of no, there were a lot of numbers there, but there's one stat that that always just keeps standing out to me. And a lot of this is coming from our community event platform, uh, I believe. But we are averaging now over thirty thousand podcast downloads a month. That's a lot of content, folks a whole lot of content that's getting consumed out there. And so, you know, that's a lot of work to take those podcasts, getting them edited, getting them in the right format, getting them out quickly so people can digest them. And we are learning more and more each day, right, Kelly? But that is an amazing amount of content downloads, 30,000 a month. So just... It's huge. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work from the, the media team and, you know, props to them because they are extremely dedicated. And, you know, I just want to recognize my, my team, um, you know, Rick and Sharon and Larry are, are just wonderful. Um, and also our, all of our volunteers that help us with this process, because it, it just couldn't happen without them. Thank, thank you. And, and, a and a big, also, a big shout out to Jeff Bishop, who got us launched on our new ACB link that I talked about earlier. Uh, we were getting really rave reviews at how easy that is to access, how quickly people can get to the different ACB media channels, look at the calendar for the convention, other activities. So thank you, Jeff, for that effort. All right. Are there, are there questions for Kelly and the communications team? Yes. Yes. Nancy says a lot, a lot of people would like to communicate with communications. <laughs> we won't comment on the quality of that, of that side, side joke. <laughs> Hi, this is Terry Pacheco. Um, Kelly, I think you've been doing a fabulous job, especially for the potential of more uh, re resource development and the potential of more resources of membership and getting our name out there. I do want to ask a question. Um, what is going on? Actually, a question and a comment. What is What has been going on as far as improving and uh, continuing our communication with our roughly 
one quarter to one third of our membership who are not connected electronically or who are not into podcasts. Um, that group, I, I, do, I just really do not want to see us disenfranchise those people who are, for one reason or another, oftentimes either economic or sometimes it's a physical or cognitive issue that they are not being able to uh, or choosing not to use social media and such. And my other comment is that I just want to make it very clear that now that I am retired from the FCC as their accessible and alternate format specialist, um, I would love to sit together with you and go over some things that I think could work very well for improving some of our uh, communications that are going out, especially to our members. And so anytime that that would be um, advantageous to you, or if it would, please contact me. Thank you. Well, thank you, Terry. Um, I definitely um, would love to talk to you about anything that could um, enhance the um, uh, accessibility of our communications. Um, you know, that's something that I, um, I, I love making things accessible. It's, it's a, it's a passion of mine in general. Um, and, um, you know, any, any advice that you can give, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm always up for any, um, any extra help assistance that you can provide me with. Um, so as far as reaching, um, members that, you know, don't have access to social media, don't, don't use the internet, you know, really are more comfortable using our phones. Um, we really utilize our, our telephone hotline and the mailboxes that we have. When you call in, you can call in for a number of different information, including, uh, community calls, um, the Washington connection. Um, and, you know, also any of our uh, folks are available um, from nine to five um, uh, Eastern um, during the week to answer any questions that anyone has. So that's really one of the best ways that we've had uh, to communicate with folks is just through, you know, calling in on, on the hotline and the mailboxes that we have, you know, and obviously um, Miss Sharon Lovering um, is, our wonderful editor of the Braille Forum, um, you know, that is um, sent to all of our members. So um, Braille, large print, um, that's definitely a way that we reach people. Um, and, um, you know, uh, th that's also available via, via podcast as well. You know, if people have a podcast player at home, um, we have a number of resources available via podcast. And then of course, you can't forget ACB media as well. Um, so people can listen through, um, uh, I, I will say a lady, I almost said the other word and I don't want to trigger anybody who's listening <laughs> um, at home. Um, so um, ACB media is obviously a great resource. If, you know, right now we've got 10 different streams going on with so much information about everything that's happening at convention, our convention newspaper, our different sessions that are going on. So um, there are a number of ways that um, people can participate that way. And also I see Jeff has his hand raised, so I'm not sure if Jeff, you have a question. I do, but it can wait till you're done, Kelly. Okay, okay. So I hope that answers your question, Terry. She's nodding. So Kelly, she's nodding yes. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, Connie. 
Con- oh, Con- I, and, then, I, and then I just have a quick yeah. comment. Connie and then Jeff. So go ahead, Connie. Um, Kelly, thank you very much. I just want to commend you guys too on you know the LinkedIn and the Instagram. I being on LinkedIn, I know for myself, you know, I've see all the the hits and the likes and stuff. And when I've share, you know, if it's the advocacy or just regular ACB how many more of my followers I get likes or comments and stuff. So I, I think it's just wonderful that we can keep spreading the word and how many people do like to hear about ACB. So thank you for all your hard work. Awesome. Thanks, Connie. Jeff. Yes. yes. Um, thank you, uh, Dan. And thank you, Kelly. Uh, and I'm not bringing this up for, uh, to to create any issues here, but I just want to just make sure the board was aware. Um, uh, Mastodon has become a, a pretty hot topic in the blindness community, especially with the issues uh, with Twitter's uh, lack of commitment around accessibility and um, the, the 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 majority of people who are, are blind or visually impaired have moved um, away from Twitter. I can, I can testify of that mainly by looking at my own timeline of which I follow thousands of people. And the people that I'm generally seeing now are generally either, you know, journalists or, you know, not, not seeing a lot of accessibility related postings and people from the blindness community uh, as opposed to, um, Mastodon. So um, I just want to I just want to reiterate that there is a need for us to make sure that we are, and I know this is in process. So I'm not mentioning this because I'm asking for something to take place because we're busy and I know this is going to be dealt with after convention. I'm just making the board aware. I think it's really important that we as an organization be where our users are. And if that means that we need to retool or add additional tools to facilitate that conversation to allow us to be where people are, then I think that's I think that's critical. Um, and so I, I am hoping that this board, uh, if there's a financial uh, requirement to to be able to um, allow for this, and I don't think it's going to be much, but if there were, that this board would be supportive in ensuring that we are communicating and reaching the people where we need to reach them uh, so that we can be an influence in the right places at the right time. So I just wanted to point that out as a communication strategy, and I'm hoping it's something that we will um, continue to, to invest in and uh, you know, uh, provide those opportunities to make sure that we're engaging with people uh, across platforms. Thank you. Yes, and thank you, Jeff. I, you know, I, I think it's it's uh, good to bring that up. Obviously, um, you know, we had convention happening, so it's it's a little bit hard to look at a whole separate communications channels. But I am working with um, a couple different people to see, you know, what the the back end would be involved with um, having a mastodon presence. You know, um, it's just right now we've got so much other stuff going on that we had to really address convention before we could do a yep, deep yep. dive required but um just because you spoke i did not i know uh dan mentioned acb link a little bit and um i missed acb link i don't know how but if for anybody listening um and especially the board too um if you haven't downloaded the new um 
version of ACB link, please do, um, because it's wonderful. It's a lot more usable than it was before. And it's a super easy way to listen to our ACB media streams and to get information about ACB. So sorry, I had to throw that plug in there because I um, I was running full steam ahead and missed it. <laughs> and, and Kelly, um, the Android version is already underway. In fact, uh, it's pretty close to, to being, you know, to the point where we'll probably be able to release it in the next month or two, uh, as well as Blindshell uh, access is coming. We have to partner with them a little bit more to get that get that commitment, but um, we don't think that's going to be a problem. So we should be able to provide access to link across all platforms. Awesome. Thank you, Jeff. Yep. Thank you, Kelly. Excellent communications report. And We, uh, we have more. Oh, we have more questions. We, we have, have more, more questions. We've okay. got Gabe and then I think Ray, did you have your hand? Okay. Okay. Gabe and then and then the president's nudging me and saying she wants the microphone back. So <laughs> no. Oh there you go. Okay. Kelly, thank you so much. Um it's it's just a joy to work with you. Um Kelly has been an amazing support with all the uh communication into Spanish. And um, uh, as Kelly mentioned, uh, one of the things, our biggest effort, we're putting quality out there. And uh, every time more, we're growing into more and more um, inclusive, in, in, inclusiveness of uh, Spanish content. However, where we do need the help of everyone is communication. <laughs> Because yes. um, we need to spread the word and Kelly is doing a phenomenal job. We're working with different other organizations like the CAPTA and social media, etc. But um, we all live in almost everyone here lives in an area where there must be a population of Hispanic or only Spanish speaking blind or visually impaired individuals. So please help us, whether you're a board member or a member or a friend of ACB, please help us by spreading the word. Word of mouth is still very powerful. And Kelly, um, her team, myself, we would all appreciate um, you sharing what we're doing for Spanish-speaking blind and visually impaired. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Gabriel. It's a good point. All right. Any other hands? Yes. Oh, oh somebody else. <laughs> this is kind of like Zoom. They just pop up they at the last minute. Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, kind of like an auction going once we're, going to, Oh, there's a new hand. Is, <laughs> is this, yeah, this is on. Um, I, from a local standpoint, if Gabe and, and, um, and, uh, you know, everybody involved could let us know, because if they're all Spanish speaking and I don't speak a word of Spanish, mm -hmm. how are we going to outreach to those people? So if there's any way that we could develop some kind of a, uh, structure or, you know, a, a series of community calls or whatever, so that we can get an idea of how to approach Spanish speaking groups in our communities to spread the word that we have this available. Uh, we would really appreciate it. Great. Thank you for the feedback, Doug. Thank you. Excellent. Any, any other hands going once going twice back to our president. Thank you, Kelly. Excellent report. Very excellent. I'm, I'm good. Yep. Yep. Got one. Very excellent. You know, the other thing is we could just, we, we, he doesn't have to give it back to me. We could just skip lunch and just keep going, going and going. 
But this is just great stuff. There you go. There you go. All right. This has been a great morning. And I hope that you are truly energized by what you've heard because ACB is doing great work. And we're going to hear about more of it after we take a big, long break. So we are going to break from now at just before noon until 1.30. At 1.30, I'm asking the board uh, to return for a brief executive session. I think the easiest way to do this will be to executive session from 1.30 to 1.50 open the room and reconvene the meeting at two. And I think that's going to be the simplest way to keep things on track. So um, please join us again. We've got had a great turnout this morning of folks. Um, if you have questions for staff, please kind of grab them throughout the week. They're going to be around for the most part, doing things, but around. So let's go into recess until after lunch. And thank you all very much for being here. Let's go back into session. We did take a brief um, executive session just after lunch where we discussed some personnel matters and some other business that was confidential in nature and um, sensitive. So we are back in session. I can assure you that no uh, motions were made, no votes were taken. Um, and uh, so we are back in our session. Where we are is continuing with our staff reports. I'll turn it back over to Dan to continue that process. And we'll be going on with uh, membership services, I believe, next. So go ahead, Dan. Thank you, Madam President. Uh, and we will continue on with our staff reports. Hope everybody had an excellent lunch. I know I enjoyed a, a little time, the respite there. And uh, uh, and unlike Deb, I, I really appreciated a, uh, an opportunity for a break. <laughs> but now we'd like to continue on with our staff report from our membership engagement manager, uh, Cindy Hollis. All right. Thank you so much, Dan. Uh, first, I would like to take a moment of personal privilege and share with folks about kind of what's happened with me in the last five weeks, because I know there are many people that do know, but I suspect there are many that don't. Um, but I stepped off of a deck in incorrectly, <laughs> very wrong. And I did a really good job on both of my feet. And in a matter of 15 seconds, broke my right foot and broke my left ankle. And um, it's been quite an adventure uh, in a wheelchair, probably until mid to late August. And, um, and I was in the hospital for about four days. So I was, this is what happens. You be careful about things you say. And I'd just been bragging about a week before about how I had not really used my sick leave very much at all. And how we had just had um, some information given to us about our, our um, insurance plan, medical plan, and how it all works. And I said, well, I haven't had to deal with any of that for uh, at all, so I'm not going to worry about it. And um, so anyway, I probably kind of, you know, did a little something to myself, if you believe in that. Um, however, I am learning a lot. And one of the things I learned 
is that um, at the end of April, we hired Natalie Couch from Kentucky as the new membership services administrative assistant. And when my accident took place, yes, I will say Natalie is a quick study and has done a stellar job and absolutely she's probably in the air right now but hey i'll let her know um but okay well that's good news okay she's on her way to the hotel but i doubt she's listening right now um but when i ended up instantly in the hospital i think i might have called her from the ambulance but i can't remember for sure and um but when i called her she's like okay don't worry about anything and she just took care of everything. And um, when I would say to her, I'm going to go lay down for a little while, no problem. How are you feeling? Do you need me to send out the schedule? She has been amazing. And um, so when you get to meet her this week, if you've not before, or when you see her, please congratulate her and let her know that I sang her praises because they are well-deserved. Um I also want to say that there, I heard some question about my ability to be doing my job since my accident and uh, my, uh, my time certainly in the hospital was not working. I can admit that, but the next couple of weeks, probably I worked three quarter time and I've been working full time uh, and then some since uh, in the last two weeks because of convention. Um, so I, I'm not st- I haven't really slowed. Well, yes, I've slowed down. I'm doing things differently, (laughs) but I am doing it. And, um, you know, I I take my job extremely seriously and I love it so much. Um, I love this organization. So there were some questions by the board uh, several months ago, four, four months ago or whatever, about where we are with membership. And I gave some some uh, numbers and things um, in uh, my report. I just want to, I want to touch on just a couple of highlights uh, that I feel like are telling a story Um, in uh, if we look at the, um, the March 31st deadline for certification, this is really in place so that our affiliates can get their delegate votes and we had uh, a percentage increase from year from 2020 to 2023. Five of our affiliates in special interest affiliates moved from being considered a small affiliate under 75 to being out of that realm. And it could be that they actually became one of our media, middle size or our large size. So I don't have that specific, but at the time of, in 2020, we had 13 affiliates, special interests that were uh, under 75. We had three that were in the middle that we consider the middle, it was 75 to 149. And four that were over 150 or 150 or over. And in 2023, that number changed to eight 
which means they moved right from the small six, six. So to me, that's a great story. Special interest affiliates. Awesome. Yeah. You guys applaud yourselves. So state affiliates struggled a little bit more. And, you know, so I really want us to start thinking about some being creative and thinking about innovative ways that we can be looking at what state affiliates can do, which are geographical in nature, but what can they be doing to help themselves in the smaller affiliates? It changed by one. It went up uh, from 20 to 21, from 20 to 23 uh, years, 2020 to 2023. But the, and then it went from 11 to 12 in uh, in the middle and 16 to 13. And we had lost also an affiliate during that time. So that, you know, their story is a little bit different. And which ones have moved where, you know, again, it could have been one jumped from the smallest to the biggest, right? Um, or, uh, you know, the biggest to the smallest. I, you know, I don't have that exact. Um and, but that, but for me, that tells, that tells a little bit of a story in that there are some things, and I'm going to talk about it here in a minute, that maybe special interest affiliates are doing that feel more natural to them, that state affiliates aren't comfortable doing. And so we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, there are two other sets of kind of uh, data that I ended up looking at. And one of them was uh, pre-convention, our numbers of record. This is so that they can vote. So this is the uh, 30 days prior to convention. The date changes slightly, you know, because our start date changes. But we had about, oh, uh, 7% uh decrease in that number from year to year. However, year to year, end of year numbers, we actually show this is individual members. So remember those affiliate numbers, March 31, that many people are in multiple affiliates. So, but this is individual members from year to year, and I don't have 2023 yet because we're not at the end of the year, but I'm going to tell you that we had a 5% increase from 2020 to 2023. We also saw an increase in our um, uh, uh, members at large, a number we'd not really looked at previously. And we also added some incentives for people to join. And I know that there's some concerns around members at large, but I want just to emphasize the fact that when people join as members at large, especially if they talk to me and or uh, whoever's working with me, we always promote uh, their state affiliate and our special interest affiliates always. And many of them say, they are not ready to commit to an affiliate, but they want to kind of get their feet wet and figure things out, the lay of the land. And we know many of them do move into membership in our affiliates. So um, I just, I wanted to point that out. 
Uh, other things that are happening with affiliates, though, is I've definitely been working with some of our affiliates who've reached out and asked for support. I've done some conflict resolution with one of our affiliates. Um, I've done leadership training and I've helped with voting when they've held their business meeting. And these are state and special interest affiliates. So whoever calls and asks for help or emails, I'm so happy to do that. And then uh, uh, we have one of our affiliates that, that sadly folded in 2021, that state, South Carolina, we have strong interest in the Palmetto State, I think that's how you say it, boy, uh, Palmetto, thank you, Palmetto State, um, or Palmetto State for the Blind, I Council for the Blind, anyway, um, and we have, uh, uh, oh my gosh, Jennifer and uh, Dave, who are working on that. They are working with one of our Constitution and Bylaw Committee members to work on their Constitution and bylaws. And I believe next year they will be seated at convention. So um, really good energy there, you guys, and really excited about, about that. Yeah, give them a hand. Give. I know they're listening. I know they're listening. They said they were going to have a listening party. So, um, and um, and then some of the other things I put in the report, um, I talked about information referral and peer support, and uh, showed that we are we are working on a really small scale internally with cl collecting data, so we can kind of figure out what it is that we might need in a CRM. Uh, which stands for customer relations management. Okay. Uh, system. And we are a ways away from that, but it's something that when we get there, we need to know what we need. And right now we don't. So we have started with that and we have over 300 calls um, that we have uh, tracked and uh, in a six week period of time doing this and mainly just two people inputting their information. Um, that's Caitlin and Sharon. So it's a it's a start, and you know I personally hope that it will grow and become something that we can expand on. Um, uh, a little bit about community. I uh, just want to point out that the community support committees at the beginning of this year started a volunteer recognition program. And so far I've had five uh, uh, of our volunteers recognized who work tirelessly in our community, either as hosts, facilitators, moderators, broadcasters, or streamers. And uh, they, they've all been well-deserving. And um, that's uh, Belinda Collins, Herbie Allen, Kayla Allen, Chanel Allen, and Kayla is not in, a member of the Allen family as far as the Herbie, Herbie and Chanel Allen, but she's she's got her Jimmy and um, and her kids. So uh, and then uh, and then Lucy Edmonds. And um, so that's been working really, really well. 
Uh, and then I wanted to talk just quickly. And we're at over 13,000 events since we started, nearing 14,000. And I wanted to just quickly mention, remember I said that there's a trend that I noticed in our affiliates. Many, the majority of our special interest affiliates have taken advantage of the community platform. And I can't, I, I, I mean, the numbers show. I, I'm not saying it's all community, but you guys, that is a growing program. It started with 600 people receiving our daily schedule. We are nearing 2,800 receiving it. And that's every single day that ACB is getting out there and in the homes of people, whether they're members or not. We also know that many people are coming to our organization from other organizations and or non-affiliated at all. And they are finding us, learning out, learning about us from their counselors, from their teachers. And we have young people that are joining us. We have a young guy that's 12 years old that loves the community. And somebody in one of the breakouts said to him, why do you, why do you want to hang out with us old folks? <laughs> and he said, because it's fun. So um, I, I just, you know, everybody needs, needs connection. And uh, so I, I wanted to say that. And then finally, we are again, uh, working on supporting the convention. We had 10 hosts uh, support our virtual convention portion. And out of those 10, two are international. And they were working at hours that were late in the night. And in fact, Tori, who did resolutions, worked from 1 a.m. her time until 5.30 a.m. her time. And she did get the long night. And then out of the seven streamers that helped during uh uh, the virtual portion. One is international and uh, Darcy lives in Canada. Uh, so I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, and then uh, we are working now with a smaller crew because of the hybrid portion. There's not as many things happening at the same time. Thank you for that. Uh, but we are ready to go. I wanted also to point out Kayla Allen, uh, Took she she is uh, the leader of the crafters group. She is in Arizona. She is their new vice president of that state affiliate. She was a first timer. Uh, J um, uh, oh my gosh, DKM first timer in uh, 2022, 21, 21. Um, no, I think it was 22. Actually, 22. I think. Maybe. Anyway, one of those years, but she got to come, yeah, 21, because she came last year. Yeah. Uh, and she, uh, I reached out to her. She's a host um, and asked her if she would take the lead and and uh, take on our volunteers for the convention on the virtual side of things. She has done a stellar job. They operate as a team in all things. They support each other. When somebody needs help, somebody is there. It's amazing to watch, and she has just really stepped up, and I can be here at convention and not worry about what's going on out there because I know she's got it all under control, and she came to us 
through the community. So I just wanted to point that out. And I think I will stop there if anybody has any questions. We got one. Nancy's running while well, walking fast. Cindy. Yes, uh, Kevin. When you are working with an affiliate and providing yes. training, uh, are, are you communicating with the board liaison to notify them of uh, what has occurred or will occur? I, I have, yes. Um, the only time I didn't. Oh, yes, I did. I have. Yes, I have. Certainly have. Very good. Yeah, I was trying. I thought maybe the voting one I didn't, but... Uh, no, they they knew, and I invited them actually to participate. They weren't able to, um, and the conflict resolution one, they were there, and the training, uh, they knew about it as well. So yeah. So. Okay, I've got Terry and then David. Thank you. First of all, Cindy, I want to commend you on your report. I thought it was a fabulous one. That was something that all of the board needed to see, and I think that was great. Secondly, um, there's a few other uh, affiliates and things that have been going on that I was kind of surprised weren't in it, um, one of which is that we have reactivated and have uh, an increased vote this year for ACB government employees, and that's been primarily, the, yep. primarily due to um, Pat Fian, Liz Botner, Frank Pacheco, and Don Moore. And that's kind of an interesting group to pull together from all over the place. Uh, but that group is doing very well. Um, and it's coming and is coming along very well. Third thing, and I promise I only have four. Um, <laughs> the third is I have gotten a few phone calls um, fairly recently. When you were out, you did a trip out to Long Beach to the VA. Yes. And um, what I've heard from three people, anyhow, and I just want to give you the opportunity to tell us how did that did those pre presentations go, and did you do much for encouraging uh, people to join Viva? Is that the last one? I lost. No, I got one more real quick one. For, one more real quick one that I'm going to just throw in here now because. Okay, yeah. Why don't you do that and I can respond as best I can? Because I have asked this at every board meeting for the past year, and everybody says it's going to get done, and it still hasn't. We still need to fix the web page for becoming a, a member of ACB. The join ACB web page still needs to be repaired and re redone in order for it to actually really emphasize you're right our affiliates and i'm hoping that that will finally get so i'm gonna i'm gonna start with that one because it's freshest in my mind right now um as we look to do what the resolution asked for in providing good numbers and members are, are members that are joining to our affiliates, all of our affiliates one of the things we need to make sure is that is updated that gives us gives us permission to actually pass their information along. So that will be a very top priority. So there's that one. Uh, ACBGE is, it just is happening. I mean, they're just getting going again, right? And so their story will probably be one of our success stories when I report out in a year from now. And I'm telling about those, you know what I mean? Those stories, right? So, uh, and I hope others will as well. 
uh, but very excited to see new leadership uh, there. Uh, and, oh, and the other one, what was, oh, um, come on. Oh, my, oh, the VA. So uh, it came about because one of our community members is DocuDaily. He's 91 years young and a delight. And if you ever get a chance to be on our morning call, which, by the way, I would encourage all of you board members to at least come in once a week and uh, participate if you can and get a feel and get, oh, you're up, come on, and get a feel for, we even have Hawaii represented it from time to time. So, I mean, it's early, but you know, um, but, and just get a real feel for the camaraderie and the, and the excitement about ACB that takes place in that call. But DocuDaily comes on each morning uh, when he's there and he'll say, good morning, fun seekers. And then he is always funny, just a hoot and a half. And when I was going to Long Beach, he and I were talking and I said, you know, I'm going down there, but I'm sorry, it's not good. No, he said, I heard you're coming to California. And I said, but you're in Northern California and I'm going to um, Long Beach, you know, or Carson near LA. And he said, when are you going? And it just happened that the day after I got to Long Beach to visit family, he was going to the VA for more formalized training on JAWS and getting a new computer. And he called me and said, if I, if I get it approved, would you be willing to come and speak about ACB and the community? And I said, well, of course, you get it approved and I will figure out how to get there. And my sister, who, by the way, flew out here to help me at convention from Washington State, uh, was with me. Yep. Yeah. Yep. My sister, Carolyn, who's crazy and her birthday was yesterday. Anyway, um, and she was pretty crazy. Um, uh, she drove me to Long Beach, which wasn't a long drive. And we went, I got to meet Doc and get a couple of hugs. He is charming as ever. There was a small group of people, but the facilitator, the organizer was excited about ACB. And I did my share of promoting, but boy, did she bring it home. <laughs> she really pushed it and said she'd help anybody who wanted to learn more, to get connected, to receive the schedule, to become a member and on and on. So uh, that is how that went down. It was about a 45-minute presentation. They were very, very kind. And I don't know if anything else will come of that. Um, a couple of them did join the community uh, re to receive the daily schedule. And if you do receive the daily schedule, you know that in every single one, we always include something ACB-centric around whether it's the convention or other activities we steal from door DoorDash. <laughs> Dots and dashes. <laughs> um, and um, or affiliate news that people share with us and ask us to share about their conventions or their fundraisers. So uh, it's being used for that as well. And uh, hopefully I answered your questions, Terry. Uh-huh. Cindy, this is David. Uh, you know, we, we do realize that through the pandemic, our community grew, our special interest affiliates grew. Uh, what, 
what do you think that you guys can do to help our state affiliates rebuild their local affiliates? Because, you know, without the local affiliates, the state's just like the national. You know, without our affiliates, we wouldn't be here. Yep. And, of course, without our members. So we need to rebuild those local affiliates. And I know I come from a state where we're struggling, and I've talked to many more. Um, and you guys are kind of the the center of this thing. Y'all have – you hear from everybody. So you get the better suggestions. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I have, a, I have some ideas. Um, so first, unlike, you know, we like to think, and I've been, a, so, okay. I'm going to preface this by saying I have been a member of the American council of the blind for 37 years. And I love this organization. I've grown in this organization and I've held a lot of le leadership positions. And um, I just am very passionate about ACB. That's the first thing I'm going to say. I think that uh, if we totally rely on it starting from the ground up, members up, then uh, we have members. If you think of, if you picture a seed being dropped in dirt somewhere and one more seed being dropped somewhere else and one more seed being dropped somewhere else and never, ever having a gardener water it and hoe it and give it food and nourishment, you're going to have just people or, individ or individual seeds maybe popping up for a time and then disappearing. What we need to do is strengthen the leadership in our affiliates. And our state affiliates need to um, consider opportunities for growth as a leadership team and once they can find that common ground, they need to go garden those seeds. And uh, that, that is a really big thing. And so I, th I think that our affiliate liaisons could be helping with that a great deal because affiliate liaisons, board members, you have about four affiliates or five that you, you know, keep in contact with. Uh, I, I have over 60. So, uh, you know, there's, and, and each have individual needs. And so there's a really, I would love to see us strengthen that program and really put some teeth into it. Um, but I think that there also needs to be training there. So uh, I would love to be able to provide some of that and really come up with a way to uh give you guys the tools that you need to be able to support your affiliates in with, with great investment. Um, and then I think that the community platform has proven that there is a need and it is only one of many perks of ACB. ACB is doing a lot of great things, but affiliates need to buy into sharing the good news of ACB with their members. And we hear all the time, a lot of our members don't know anything about ACB. Well, what are you doing to share it with them? Because I'm going to tell you, many people come to us and say, I wish I'd known about this a long time ago. I've been alone for three years. How many of your members are alone? And, um, so we are not a threat to your affiliate. 
We are a perk to your affiliate. We are there to assist your affiliate and we are there to help you grow your affiliate, but we're not a threat. And there's many, many people in the community that are searching for their place to land in ACB. And it's, you know, it's up to the affiliates to kind of, I think of it like a mall. When you go to a mall (laughs) and you're walking, I mean, you got the food court, of course, you know, the food court's like the place, right? Okay. The community is the food court. All right. And um, so there's the food court. It's kind of like the center place, wherever it might be at one end or the other, but, and then you've got all of the stores and you also have kiosks and your storefronts could be small or big. They can be a department store or they can be a mom and pop shop. Right. And if somebody is walking down and there's something that entices them in, they, and if they come in and people are welcoming and there's good deals and they feel like connection, then they're going to purchase something or in this case, join. But if they come in, nobody's there. Nobody talks to them. Uh, people are talking to their friends or, and not, you know, making time for them. They're probably going to leave and find someplace else. So those are just some of my thoughts. And, um, you know, I am absolutely vested in helping our affiliates. And uh, I was talking with Dan about the idea of coming up with uh, maybe a series of seminars that I could work with affiliates on, but it would be one-on-one, not, um, not you know, anybody that wants to come, that kind of thing. Because like I said, I really believe that if an affiliate is serious about growing, then it needs to be a team effort. It, it can't be just one representative. And I would hope that our liaisons would also want to take part in any of them so that maybe they could also assist with that. So thank you. Anything else? Yes, Cindy, this is Gabe. Yes, so, sir. So I'm very happy with um, bringing a CRM as part of, of what we do. A question and a comment. So. Uh, first, a comment, actually. Um, I, I was very happy when we started collecting demographics and capturing, you know, uh, race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, uh, sexual identity, because that gives us hard numbers. And that is great for grants, for, you know, diversity, etc. But CRM is going to give us that soft information that we need. What are members liking? What are members not liking? What do members expect? And... Um, information is there's power in information so i am very happy so two questions for you um do we have a plan of how soon we're gonna be incorporating a crm and what do you need from us as the board to make it happen we don't have a plan um and i think what i need from the board is to stay tuned uh it's going to be a process uh we are right now at the kind of collecting data and we will meet as a team uh, to figure out, uh, are we asking the right questions? Is this leaving us with needing more information? Now, what happens to this information once we gather it? Who is going to be responsible for doing that? Uh, That kind of thing. And then 
at some point we need to evaluate all of the information at at some level and as it continues to grow in a some sort of a pattern what we decide to do and then at some point we'll talk about CRMs they are very costly yes so i, I certainly uh it would be i i mean great if we had something in place by the end of this year but i have this feeling it will be next year um at the bigger level and at the end of next year so for 2025 budget this is just Cindy talking so Dan Dan and others might think differently but i do believe i do believe a staff member would need to be responsible if we yes. really go that route that is a big investment financially not only for the be careful what you wish for mm-hmm. right so it it wouldn't be more than what our staff can manage if we do it really right. And I can tell you, we don't, we can't, we cannot do it at the level. We will eventually need to do it if we want to do it right. So a staff member, even if it's a part-time staff member, I don't know if that's what it would be, but we would need to have someone attached to actually managing it um, in the future. So I, that's why I think it might be a little further down the road. Yeah. Just uh, if, if you want to reach out to me, I can help you in the process of actually shopping around. Thank you. I've We've done this. some. Okay. That's when we panicked and stopped. <laughs> so we might want to um, first because they, they ask questions. Yeah. What do you need this for? What do you hope it to do? And we're like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, you tell us. We don't know. <laughs> and the other the other thing so, that anyway. you need to watch out is you know always ask them for their VPAT because some of them are not accessible. Yeah, but we we learned that by one of our, the vendors that we talked to. Perfect. So okay. yeah, awesome. Caitlin and I did a lot of the research, and Caitlin was a rock star with it. So she was great to be working with too, and she did a lot of those kinds of questions. She had the list. <laughs> awesome. okay. So thank, thank you, Gabriel. Thank you. You want to, yeah, I'll get it for you. Okay. I, I was actually going to ask, uh, and Gabe may have some information here, a real life experience as well. But Kim, I know with Perkins, you all have a system. And I think what, what three, two or three full-time people that are just manning. So it's an investment. If you really go, maybe Kim, you could comment a little on that. Cause you, you've kind of lived it with, with Perkins library. Yeah. Yes, um, absolutely. I, I agree with with Gabe that that um, there's a lot of options. Some are not accessible. Perkins is transitioning away from one right now to Salesforce Lightning, which a lot of people are using, which does have some um, better accessibility. So, um, so that's that's a possibility. But Cindy's absolutely right. We've we've got to determine what it is we want and figure out how to plan for that because this isn't something you just say, let's get a CRM and, and off we go skipping down the hallway, you know, <laughs> otherwise we're going to go in the wrong direction and make some bad decisions. So, right. and just gathering, uh, we'll have Cindy talk to this a little bit more maybe, but just gathering this information for the last five weeks, one, we learned, and I still don't know that we're Caitlin and Sharon are doing a, a really good job. I'm not still not sure we're we're gathering a hundred percent of we're the not. inquiries that are coming in. We know yeah, we're, we're, we're still work work in progress. But even there, in in what five weeks, Cindy, we six. got six weeks. Uh-huh. We got three hundred and fifty something yeah. calls. 
So we're averaging, you know, whatever that's like six, almost 60 calls a week, which is a pretty good demand. And Cindy, I think you at least had identified what five or six kind of, I think it was six, but I don't have them memorized. Yeah, have so I'm, yeah, but, yeah. It, but it was in the report, but we think if we do this for three months, we're going to start really developing and understanding some trends. And yeah. I want to follow up with that. Cause I, as I was, as I'm listening to you, I'm like, you know, the light bulbs coming on and I'm um, one of the things that I thought was really important is to find a way to do a ticketing system. So that when a call comes in and we make referrals all the time to our affiliates, but we have no way of follow through with whether or not they followed through. Right. We don't know. We, it's like we throw somebody, somebody's direction and we don't know what happens to them. And unfortunately, a lot of times they come back six months later and they're still not connected. And they ask again to me and they feel frustrated and they feel they're very let down and obviously nobody wanted them. And, um, and sometimes they only wait a couple of days or even six hours. I haven't heard from somebody. I'm like, give them a time. Um, but I, you know, that is, that is a real problem. And, uh, I can't speak to it cause I don't know for sure. Exactly. I don't know. But I know it's happening. I don't know if it's, but I'm going to say, even if it's only one or two every month that is getting ignored, that's one or two too many. And so I really hope that we can, I mean, that's the direction I want to go, at least. Um, again, this is, you know, uh, we'll see what the team says, but I, I think we're not going to do a good job until we can verify action items and how those action items were solved. So, uh, and that's going to take a little bit deeper dive. And I, you know, I don't know how we're going to do it, but we'll figure it out. But it's not going to happen in in the next three months. No, and 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 it really is. Once we can kind of get our arms around this, then we can. We don't need a system until we first figure out the process. Then right. we need a system to support the process. And and I think the the other thing we we know organically in our bones is there's two main reasons people get involved with American Council of the Blind. And the first really is around this topic. It's information referral and peer support. People are just trying to engage and connect with other people that are going through the same issues that they're going with and try to learn as they experience blindness or low vision for the first time. And then as they evolve, they move into really becoming civil rights advocates in the work we do in the advocacy area. But the seed, as Cindy says, that's, that starts to germinate is around information referral and peer support. We do it. We do it so organically. It's hard for us to track it. But I think if we ever got our arms around this, there are all kinds of opportunities out there to help fund this type of work. We We just have to get better at collecting information right. to be able to tell the story. We we have good data around some of our, many of our other programs, including community, uh, but we don't have a lot of numbers, solid numbers, right, around uh, information referral and peer support. Uh, Dan, there's two more things I wanted to say. I forgot. So uh, they're okay. quick. All right. Um, went to Vision Serve Alliance at the end of March and made a lot of real good connections. And um, so that was really positive um, and got some positive feedback and 
I'm hoping that we will uh, be doing more collaborative work with some of our agencies and organizations uh, for community and which then connects them to ACB because they see our community as uh, non-threatening. I, I really do believe this. It's not a threat to any other organization that people come to ACB because you don't have to be a member to be a part of our community. And because of that, many people come and they are referred to by those organizations and agencies, whether it be Hadley or a, a TVI, an O&M instructor. I have an O&M instructor in Pennsylvania that probably calls me once every two weeks to add somebody to the community schedule. Um, so you just don't know. And so those connections, I think, are awesome. And uh, I look forward to being able to tell you really solid stories that came out of that relationship building opportunity at the end of March um, at that VS, VSA Vision Serve Alliance conference. Mm -hmm. The other thing I mentioned it in the uh, report, but it has to do with JP Morgan and they have two programs. One is code, code for code for good. Good. And the other is force for good. And the ACB is being considered strongly, I think it's pretty likely, for Code for Good, where they bring together uh, computer people from colleges, universities, um, and they are given challenges. And we've been identified as a challenge. And I then was challenged to demonstrate our challenge. And um, and it was a big exercise. And I ended up with a document as big as your board report, laying out all of the processes that go into putting to community together and making it run through week to week to week. And if you guys would like it, I will share it with the board. I think it might be really beneficial. It's a lot. It's a lot, I admit. But it will give you guys an idea of um, really all the steps that go into from forms and moving that information from forms and email to uh, Word and Excel and then scheduling our volunteers from a form to Excel and um, and then keeping a recurring events uh, spreadsheet in in uh in a current state uh, with all the appropriate information. So we have a strong working document to work from when we go to schedule our Zoom calls. And it really tells the story of what our volunteers are doing uh, because I know a lot of you think Cindy is tied up and all I do is community. But the truth of the matter is a lot of what I do is encouraging our and and building up volunteers who do the brunt of the work that Natalie or I aren't doing. And we have an amazing core of volunteers that are so, uh, they are, they're, yes. It, it's, it really is, it's humbling, you guys. And um, so uh, I, I, if, would you guys be interested in looking at that? Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Let's share. Please share. Okay. We, we just got it. It's, it's hot I off just, the press. It is hot <laughs> off the press. It was, 
It was for a meeting we had just uh, two days before uh, it was done on Tuesday. And yep. so it, it literally was just completed on late Monday night. Um, uh, but we will, uh, I will work to get that uh, to you guys at post convention. So that's all I wanted to share. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Cindy. We appreciate your report. What? Do, do you have some Rachel, Nancy? I think. Okay. Oh, okay. The one Springfield colleague handed it off to the other. Now it's why <laughs> I stole it from Ray. No, Cindy, I just want to say thank you for all you and Natalie and all the volunteers have done because I could probably safely speak for everybody that, that you all are a great face for the first people that people outside of ACB meet through ACB. And um, I think it's just awesome that, you know, we have so many people that are reaching other people. And, and I really like that, that it's going so well. And um, I've had an opportunity in the last several months to not only introduce people to the ACB and ACB community through work, but also I've heard from people through my work contacts and they said, oh, I've been involved in these calls and you know, they start describing what I know to be the community and I explain it to them. So I think it's really cool. So I think that's awesome. I would also be interested in maybe looking into further some opportunities to look at how we as board liaisons can better help our affiliates as well. So awesome. Thanks. I love that. That's Thank you. whoever is elected as president. That is one of the first things I'm talking to them about. <laughs> so <clears throat> um, yeah. So great. Thank you, Rachel. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Cindy. And next, we'll move on to Nancy Becker, our CFO, and our final staff report of the day. So uh, take it away, Nancy. Okay. So I look at, we got to come in on time, so I'll be short and sweet here again. So ACB's financial statements were audited by Bergen KDB at the end of March again this year. And once again, we received a clean audit, which is the best type of audit you can receive. So when the, what the auditors do, they come into our office for about three days requesting documentation, verifying selected revenue and expenses. But before they come into our office and after they leave our office, they have a lot of work. So we try to get the paperwork to them early. So up to a week and a half before they come in, they're actually looking at our documents and verifying information. And then they give us um, like... Um, expenses that they want to look at just to verify that they were actual expenses for the correct GL code or that we received the revenue and we actually received the revenue, not just that we said we received it. So it went really, really well again this year. Um, both offices have been very busy preparing for the convention. So the financial office with Lane, Nancy, Christine, and Chris have done a wonderful job of designing and setting up the online registration form. With Janet Dickerman, we've been created, we created the print program. We've helped individuals with registration process. We're um, taking donations for the walk. And then we're partnering with the auction committee to check out the auction winners. And while this may seem like this doesn't seem to take much time, we can spend up to a couple hours a day for the month before the convention, just helping individuals. So it, it's very time consuming. And as you guys know, it's gone very smoothly so far for the convention. 
Um, I would also like to thank everyone who voted during the mock election. We are using Vote Now again this year. So we are able to get the process, the voting process smoothed out before we start elections. So I'm hoping that it will be a little bit quicker for everybody to just click on that link and um, get their voting done. Um, it also has been very busy in the financial office this spring. And I have not had the bandwidth to hire an accountant and an HR specialist yet, yet. So just, you know, some people go ask why. The hiring process does take about four to six weeks to hire a staff person because number one, the position needs to be posted. Candidates need to be interviewed. There needs to be pre-employment checks done once we've picked out that candidate. And then we need to give um, that person who we will hire an opportunity to opportunity to give notice at their current employer. So it does take quite, quite a bit of time and it's going to be very difficult to put two, um, to post two positions at one time. So once the convention is done, I'm going to be posting the accountant's position. And as many of you may have seen, Lane is still here. He's been um, in registration. So he's been very nice to stay on past the time when he wanted to leave. And then once that position is posted, then I'm gonna hire an HR position. Any questions? Are you guys all awake? <laughs> now, I want to point out with Nancy Marks Becker, not only is she our CFO, which is when you get a clean audit for umpteen years in a row, that tells you her skills as a true accountant. But she does it all, folks. I mean, on Tuesday, her... Her husband and her son went to the U-Haul, rented the U-Haul, went and got Lane, went to the storage shed, loaded up all the equipment, and drove it all to Schaumburg. Now, that's somebody who's going a little bit above and beyond what you would expect from your chief financial officer. Besides being our supervisor of elections, moves in the Alexandria office, you name it, Nancy is involved and she does it all with a smile on her face and just, Nancy, thank you. So, just so you guys know, on Tuesday, my double Nancy, Christine and Lane were with me for the whole time. So we were, <laughs> we were tired by the time. I would have liked to have uh, had that conversation. Mike, as you all were headed down the road, I bet it was. <laughs> <laughs> and I would like to add that Lane has been here forever. Mm. and always gone beyond mm. and he is going to be such he his his absence whenever he does whatever he whatever <laughs> he actually does it <laughs> will be so missed by this organization so i would appreciate it hey yes. no doubt i wholeheartedly agree but you know what i think he's going to do some volunteering I <laughs> I think so. I think so. We she's not letting them go. We we grow on you. We really do. Well, with that, uh, Madam President, uh, before I turn it back over to you, I just want to say thank you so much 
this has been three months of us adjusting uh, as we've had to with on the fly with you in an interim president role, me in an interim executive director role. It has not been conventional, but hopefully the members and the board and the staff believe it has worked because when Deb and I kind of went down this path together, we said, we're, we're not going to maybe do exactly what our roles are supposed to be, but our number one goal is to get the work done for ACB. So we thank you, Madam President. I thank you for giving me the opportunity to serve and like to have a motion to approve our staff reports. <laughs> Denise moved and Ray seconded. Turn it over to you, Madam President. Now, I just wanted to make one comment as well uh, before we transition on to uh, the treasurer's report. And that is such a cue, David, to uh, wake up and get ready. <laughs> I said, I give you one, right? Uh, oh, poked him already. We're good. All right. Well, okay. I just want to make one comment. I, I periodically get comments and, and questions and different discussion from people in this organization that talk to me about, well, maybe one of the ways we could solve this problem or that problem is to have less staff. I hope you have seriously gotten the word today about what all this organization does with its members and with its staff. And believe me, I just am so appreciative of the work of our staff because there is no way just with our members that we could get all this work done or even half of it. So I do not want to hear any more of this stuff. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. We, so so I really, really thank everyone for that. All right. And I'm so energized and excited now that we're ready to hear another exciting report. Oh, we didn't vote on that. I thought we did. Yes, we did. Did we say, Madam Secretary, did we vote? Yeah, I thought we did. Oh, we did. We did. You were not awake. That's okay. <laughs> All right. No, we did vote. And uh, thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, we are settled. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, we are settled. <laughs> you're out. You're out of work. All right. <laughs> All right. I would like now to move on to our financial narrative year to date from David Trott, our ACB treasurer. Well, you know, a few months ago, we changed and got an interim executive director mm -hmm. and we got a new president. And before that, we had money. <laughs> oh, no. Teach y'all to worry about when I'm asleep, right? <laughs> Yay. Let me get on some glasses here where I can halfway see. April 30th, uh, 2023, ACB Treasurer's Financial Summary. ACB surplus, $31,300. We, we budgeted a deficit of $185,200. ACB operating revenue, $478,600. We budgeted revenue of $310,100. ACB's operating expenses, $775,400.
on a budgeted expense of $736,900. ACB's operating deficit at this point is $296,800 with a budgeted, budget, budgeted deficit of $426,800. So we're doing quite well when you think about it. All right, let's see. ACBES's contributions were $106,800, and we had budgeted $74,000, uh, $75,400. Convention profit was $48,000, and a budgeted profit was $166,200. Unrealized investment gains of $173,300. Uh, we do not budget for that. The value of the investment accounts as of, oh, excuse me, as of the end of 2022 was $4,318,000. Investments are continuing to fluctuate. And as of June 23rd, the value of our investments was $4,127,000. Um, also, when you look at that, bear in mind that occasionally we do move money from the board reserves into, uh, you know, cash money. And when we do, always bear in mind that cost us money when I, on our investments. So actually, if you look at these two figures, the $4 million three and the $4 million one, um, they're actually pretty good considering that we've operated and we've, we've had a fairly uh, slow start at getting our cash flow going. So uh, I'm thinking that, that at this point, um, as I leave you at, as treasurer, uh, we, we've come a long way. Uh, Dan Spoon and I, several years ago, dreamed of the legacy endowment. Uh, I'm thankful as I leave the treasurer that we have one. Not only do we have one, we have a strong one. And the work that you guys do through the walk, through your Braille Forum raffle donations, uh, through your MMS programs, all the different things that you do help keep this possible. So from serving you for the last six years, I thank you for allowing me to leave ACB better than I got it. All right. Thank you, David. Are there any questions for David? Oh, Dan has a comment. And David kind of uh, alluded to this, but just so everybody's aware, our money does not, our revenue does not come in equally distributed throughout the year. So our first four months of the year are very lean for us because there's not a lot of income coming in. But now as we've moved into May and June, we start collecting all of our revenue from the convention along with things like the auction and the in the big fundraisers that take place uh, that are so much tied to our convention. So uh, I don't think I'm speaking out of school, but but even though it's not reflected in our revenue yet, we we now have, you know, I'll just say over five hundred thousand dollars that have come in as cash just since this report at the end of April. So money does not come in linearly, linearly, that's easy. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so 
So just be aware of that. So when you hear the numbers through April, there's not a lot of fundraising that takes place January through April, but you're going to see a lot more uh, revenue come in as we move in through these summer months. So just want to make everybody aware of that. That exactly makes sense. Are there any questions for David? Mike, Mike's not on. Sure. There you go. Oh, thank you. I was reading it quickly, so I might have missed it, but I didn't see any figures for Cavallino. And usually, Cavallino is in January. Is now is that now gone, or is that sort of different? Okay, thank you. Good. I don't like yeah. Yes, the Cavallino has happened. We did get some money. I have. I think um, they've told me that we are going to get it. I've pinged them at least three different times. I'm still working on getting that money. So we are getting money. We have not gotten it yet. Yeah, yep. And I actually think it's a little lower. It, Nick, online. Yeah, okay. And Paul says that uh, he was there and he thinks it will be somewhere around 20,000. Um, I'm just wondering, especially we were just saying how seasonal fundraising can be. How much did we actually get in for sponsorships uh, for the leadership conference in D.C. and for the legislative seminar this year? Uh, Dan's going to respond to that. Nancy? Oh, Nancy? Yeah. Uh, uh, Nancy will have it to the probably nearest dollar, but it was a, a, a little bit north of $20,000 was the sponsorship money we got for the D.C. leadership conference. doing this from memory um wasn't the cost of that weekend the those two weekends combined something like forty four thousand, or am i dreaming that nancy i don't you know i um that's why i was asking you know what i can i can provide that doc to, document yeah. to you guys i think i gave that document to you at one of the last board meetings but i can resubmit it to you um there was a couple different parts to it we had the rally we did separate the rally from the DC leadership itself because it was something that was unique. And then we had, I think we separated it by the tours too, because that was a little bit unique also. Right. And in addition to that, that's not all the revenue that came in. So obviously people paid, you know, the, the $140, $150 if they came in person and the $25 for the registration fee. So there was additional revenue that came in, plus some people bought lunches and things like that. So, uh, yeah, but we can get you a report, uh, Terry, that itemizes the revenue that came in and the expenses that went out. Yeah. Okay, there's no other questions. We'll, we need a motion. Here, just... Let me get your mic. <laughs> right. I need a mic. Yeah, we need a motion to accept uh, David's report. Okay. All righty. Uh, who so who moved? I missed Doug. Doug moved. Ray seconded. Um, and if there's no further discussion, all in favor? 
And any opposed? Since treasurer's up for election, if you are opposed, we know what we'll do with you. So just to let you know. All right. AC, uh, yeah, yeah. this is the way it always went when I was in the BOP and they do, they believed me. So you will in time. All right. Uh, let's see. Next on our agenda, we have the ACB Enterprises and Services Report with Michael Garrett. Hello, everybody. So, David says goodbye. But anyway, <laughs> now David, David stole a part a part of my thunder, but I'm gonna add a little add a little bit a little bit of flavor to it uh near the end. But you guys have talked a lot today about team. I heard that word a lot, team and and work. And so I want to start off my comments by talking about team and work. So you will you will agree with me. All of you will agree with me, I'm sure, that in order to get something done, it gets done more effectively with a team, right? Everybody's supposed to say amen. <laughs> and I believe that. And so uh, I serve on a team. Uh, and a part of that team is represented by the ACBES board, which is comprised of Jeff Tom, David Trott, Kim Charleston, George Holliday, and our newest member, Terry Pacheco. That's the first part of the team. So in the second part of the team, you, always, you have to have somebody who pulls everything together, makes sure everything goes in a flowing pattern, make sure everything gets done. And we've already talked about her a lot today, and that's Nancy Marks Becker. And, 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 and then we have additional team members that are very important to this operation, to the operation of ACBS, uh, the day-to-day -day operations. We have to have a captain, the team captain, and that's Chris Sawyer. Now, Chris is a very important part of our team because he he puts things in place. He's sort of the quarterback, you know, uh, of our team. And 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 then we've got people in the trenches who actually get the work done. You know, but Chris is so valuable. His experience, he comes to us with uh, the experience in the, the nonprofit uh, uh, real estate, I mean, or not real estate, but <laughs> retail uh, business. And his, his experience, his knowledge, his, 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 his vision has been very important to what we're trying to do at ACBES. So I'll give you a few examples of, of what he's gotten the rest of our team to do that has fostered the, 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 the progress we've made already. For instance, uh, when you come to our thrift stores, we want you to have an experience, a shopping experience. 
we first start by welcoming each customer. We want to maximize the shopping experience so that it is an experience, not just you come in, look, browse, and leave. We want, we want our customers to be welcomed. We, we put out merchandise to entice them to shop and shop more. And, and what gives me uh, uh, you know, goosebumps is when they spend more dollars, the more dollars they spend, the happier I get. So I always look at the average sales per customer that we, that we, and when those, when those numbers go up to 16, 17, $18 per customer, I get happy. That's great. But you have to create that environment for them to feel uh, willing enough to shop and spend that money. Uh, for instance, some of the things that, that, that Chris has gotten us to do at the stores is uh, we put outfits together so that People can come in, they can look and see, oh, I think that works well. They can, oh, I can see myself in that, and they buy it. So, so that's what helps us create or maximize the shopping experience. Uh, we've, 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 we're doing things like um, putting out a calendar of upcoming sales. Um, we're, we're, we're also putting out social media postings uh, of unique items that can be found in the stores. All of these things are designed to create and create a, a, a stable customer base and increase that customer base. And those are the, the, the ideas that Chris has brought to us. In addition, we're trying to also create uh, an additional uh, uh, perk for our customers in that, uh, let's say you have some ideas that you want, but you want somebody personally to go through the store, pick out some items. When you come in, you can find it. those items will be right there for you for your choosing. So we're trying to get a personal shopper to pick out outfits or particular items that our customers may want. So we're working on that. We think that will be another enhancement to Im increase our customer base and make the, our current customers uh, more loyal to the ACB thrift stores. So, so we're, we're, we're always coming up with ideas, or Chris is at least, to enhance this whole shopping experience. So the part that David stole that I wanted to mention was our contribution to ACB. 106,800 dollars the first four months of the year. Now, the, 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 the importance of, of that is the fact that it's 40% higher than our budgeted number for that period, for that time period. So you can see that Chris, Nancy, 
and our store employees are doing a good job, especially, let me just point this one out too. Under the, the conditions, Chris has come in and looked at a sort of an underperforming situation. Uh, we were breaking even, possibly even lo losing money in that operation, Nancy. But that operation is now profitable. So we are making progress. And my goal, our goal, is to contribute 20% or more of the overall ACB budget. I really want to say 25%, and I think we can get there. So that's going to be a long-range goal. But I think we can do it. We're on our way. And we have our team to uh, thank for the effort and the, and, the, and the performance we've experienced so far. Thank you, Madam President. All right. You know, I was thinking that uh, while Michael was talking, um, maybe you all can carry on without me because I'm having a terrible big need to shop. I just really want to go shop. <laughs> All right. Do we have any questions for Michael? Thank you for that excellent report. David does, of course. Go on with it, David. Still is mine. You know, I'm a history buff. I always have been. And Michael's kind of bashful. But uh, Michael became chair of... ACBES during uh, Mitch Pomerantz administration. Was it before that? Oh my God, he's older than I thought. <laughs> anyway, they they would they would come to us and ask us if we could guarantee a budget uh, line of twenty five thousand dollars, and we couldn't even do that. And through Mike's great stewardship, because he he looks at these figures all the time, we we brought that from that level to what you see today. No, we're not back to our heyday yet. Uh, during going back even further during Paul's administration, when we had 15, uh, 15 stores, we, we contributed right at a million dollars a year. And, uh, we're, we're going to head back that way. And, and a lot of the reason we're headed back that way is because of Michael Garrett's hard work and his diligence when we didn't have Chris. Yes. Amen. All right. Absolutely. Anyone else? Okay. Gabriel needs a mic. Thank you, Michael. Um, I don't know if this question is more for Michael or for Nancy. <laughs> uh, for, it, it's a two-part question. The 106,000, is that gross or net? And are we keeping a separate separate accounting just for the thrift store operation? Yeah. Yeah. That's net contribution to ACB from from the from the stores. And there are separate books. Yeah, they have their whole, whole separate board, whole separate everything. So, yeah, it, this is Dan, and 
We, we do have separate books, but when we do turn in our 990, it is a consolidated return. So, you know, the subsidiary of uh, American Council of the Blind Enterprise and Services is rolled into the overall American Council of the Blind 990. Yeah. So I, I, I take issue with, with, with what David says about me. I'm just there to, to, to look at things, but you got to give the credit to Nancy and Chris and the, and the workers. They do the hard work. And I really appreciate it. I, and, and, and the board knows that over the years, I'm very, I'm very proprietary about our employees because, you know, they could go other places and work and probably get paid more money. But we have some loyal, dedicated employees who work hard for ACB. So anytime, if you're ever in Lubbock or Amarillo, uh, go by and thank our employees because they, they do a great job for us. Okay. Let's have our next convention in uh, Amarillo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any other questions for Michael? Hearing none, um, all in favor of accepting Michael's report. Uh, oh, no, oh, we need a motion. Somebody make a motion. I'm getting tired. Yeah. All right, Connie moves. Somebody seconded? Okay, Terry second. And uh, now let's try that again. We had rehearsal. Um, all in favor of accepting Michael's report? And any opposed? <laughs> Okay, boy, I tell you. All right, now uh, it's time for the Board of Publications report from Penny Reader. Oh, you did give me a stand. Does this work? Yep. This is fine. Thank you, everybody. Um, the Board of Publications is thriving and has thrived under the leadership of Katie Frederick for the last couple of years. Um, well, I, I was going to ask you to applaud, and I didn't have to, so that's great. Um, you know what a great job she's been doing. Um, and the Board of Publications is always busy. We are so excited about all the things that ACB Media is doing for you. The new version of Link is astonishingly good. And um, just the way ACB Media keeps us all informed about one another. Uh, Rick shares those statistics with us every month. And uh, we're always so happy to read them and hear them. And uh, they just keep getting better and better. So um, we're not taking all the credit for that, but we do oversee it and we're excited about it. Um, I, the blog is still, um, the blogs are just taking off as you heard earlier. And, um, I think that will only increase the, um, the voices blog that's in print, not in, um, I was, I'm sorry, the podcasts are taking off and we're excited about that. The blog still has a ways to go. Some of you, I don't think have subscribed. It's easy to subscribe to our blog on the front page of the ACB homepage. And um, we've gotten some really interesting and wonderful contributions. We're always looking for more. I hope a lot of you listen to uh, the members at the Mike interviews that Anthony did with uh, certainly some of the people in the community and some of the people you may not know very well in ACB. Those are gonna continue. 
and um, we are continuing to kind of define what the blog is meant to do among ourselves. And uh, so I think that's a work in progress. And I think that kind of catches you up on what's going on in the BOP. I hope you read the board summaries that come out after every board meeting. And if you find that we're leaving anything out or being too detailed about anything, I hope you'll let us know. And uh, thank you so much. Uh, we're just going to keep going and we appreciate all your support. All right. Thank you so much. And I certainly uh, want to echo the comments about um, Katie Frederick, as I announced um, a few weeks ago, uh, Katie has chosen not to be appointed for an additional uh, term as Board of Publications Chair. And so your new president, whoever that is, will have to quickly figure out, there's their first assignment, um, appointing a BOP uh, chair. So stay tuned for that. And so I think, um, you, Penny, for serving in the last number of years as our ex officio BOP member, and we'll see what happens all next. So thank you. Thank you. Are there questions for Penny? We need a motion. We will. We'll, we, yeah, we'll just see if there are any questions first, and then, yes, we will need to accept this report. Okay, then jump right in there and make that motion. Okay. I don't hear any questions, so go ahead, uh, Donna. I'd like to all right. And Rachel seconds. All right. Thank you so much. All right. And all in favor. All right. And any opposed? Okay. Thank you. Because you'll swiftly be Yeah, you'll swiftly be moved to the BOP if you object to the report. So just so you know, just so you know. Yeah, got to come up with these things some way or other. All right. Our next item, and this is a really biggie, so pay up lots of attention. We have the report on the status of the 2022 resolutions with uh, Clark um, Rackfall, our Advocacy and Governmental Affairs um, Director, and Swatha Nandakumar, uh, our Advocacy and Outreach Specialist. So they're gonna walk us through what else they've been doing in advocacy besides all of the stuff they've already reported, we get a report on our resolution. So let's do that. All right, thank you so much, Deb. And I have a microphone and Swatha, do you have a microphone as well? All right. Well, while, uh, while yes, I'm here, is getting Swatha situated, great, thank you. Um, I don't think she's in the room, but I just wanted to give a big shout out to Sharon Lovering because at the towards the end of the year in 2022, Sharon updated and provided on the resolutions webpage the resolutions index. That was nearly a, a nearly complete history of ACB's resolutions in digital format. Uh, organized by category and topic. And as of, I think Connie Sims is still in the room. Connie, what, as of just this month, June, um, Sharon had cause in uh, working on the accessibility of signage with the ICC A117.1 um, committee for uh, 
we see for for signs and contrast and stairs. Um, Sharon worked to, we knew that we had resolutions related to braille and high contrast for stairs and signage. And we knew what years they were, but those were the years that were not part of the index. We knew we had paper volumes of those resolutions that were still in boxes from the office move. And with everything else that was going on, Sharon was able to identify them, uh, scan them in, digitize them, get them to Connie for the work of the committee, and also complete, uh, I think this was years 1990, 91, and 92. So complete the resolution index on the ACB webpage. So a big thank you for Sharon. To Sharon. I, I just wanna say she found stuff all the way back to 78 that we needed. So it was, she did an awesome job. And I, you know, I said, just get me it when we can. We're, we're working on some votes, but yeah, she just stepped right up and through all of this convention stuff, she, she did it within like a day or two. So she did, really is an awesome person. So thanks Clark for helping out. Yes. And, and that's only just one instance, right? When we started the stuff on the, uh, the currency rally, we thought our advocacy went back to, to 1977 uh, until we talked to Sharon. And she's like, not, not so fast. It was actually 1972 that the first resolution was passed. Um, so uh, a great resource to the organization and a uh, big thank you to her for making that available electronically for all of us and all of you. And here we are with the 2022 resolutions. Um, as, as folks remember, once it, the resolution last year was passed for the reporting of resolutions, we pulled together the resolutions committee, board, and staff um, to, to do a better job of tracking resolutions and assigning responsibilities for resolutions, much like Dan and JoLynn talked about fundraising, having uh, staff leads as well as member leads. And that's what we are trying to do with the resolutions process to uh, you know, make, make the entire organization more accountable um, because there's, there's a lot going on, as everyone can tell. There's a lot that we are all doing and we don't, we don't want things to fall through the cracks and we know you all don't want things to fall through the cracks. So that's, that's the intent of putting a, a process in place. Is it perfect? No. Will we get better at it? Absolutely. Um, so starting off, I will turn it to Swatha for resolution 2022-3, the TVI registry. Okay, so this resolution was on the TVI registry that was um, put out by ACVREP. Don't ask me what that stands for. I can't remember now. But um, yeah, so this resolution was calling on um, or calling on ACB to and reserve support and not support this registry and ACVREP to um, and not make it a thing. Or, yeah, I can't words. Um, okay. So um, what we did was we um the ACB committee, advocacy committee, um, and the special task force with Kim and um Debbie Grubb, 
we sent a letter um, to the to ACVRP telling them they can't support that we have support position that they need to um, withdraw it and have it to go away. So um, in and then this kind of started a dialogue, a continued dialogue with ACVRP and um, ACVRP agreed to not to kind of expand the registry, but to um, make it less legit, legitimate and kind of highlight and emphasize the fact that this is not official endorsement, that these endorsements might, might not be qualified to be TBIs, and that um, to that the, the badge will no longer to and also encourage um, the folks on the registry to, who have a badge, who's displayed a badge that they're on the registry to take a dig off profile as it might indicate an endorsement of their, of their um, licensure, licensure, licensure or credentials. So, yes, um, that, um, that's the of it. Um, it's, yeah, it's still there, but it is less um, legitimized. Thank you, Swatha. So, we have two resolutions from 2022 uh, related to to Braille. So I'm gonna kind of group those two together. And that's resolution 2022-06, product labeling in Braille, and dash uh, 08 about hotel convention contracts. So uh, resolution 06, uh, calls for the ACB to develop a, a strategy for advocating for uh, Braille on packaging. Um, it also calls for a, a report from the from the executive director. Um, Got to be honest with this one here, folks, with the, the transition uh, that ACB has gone through this year, uh, Dan, I, I don't believe Dan will be including a report from the executive director on what we've done here, but I'm happy to share what we've been doing here. And that is having conversations with several of the largest consumer product manufacturers, um, companies with over up to and over a hundred different um, brands under their umbrella. So Procter and Gamble, Unilever, um, SC Johnson. And in the conversations that we're having with these companies, uh, we are we are stressing all forms of accessibility, Braille, large print, high contrast, as well as technological solutions. Currently, they are all pursuing technological solutions, um, QR codes, barcodes, um, RFID tags that can be read uh, using a smartphone that can be read from greater distances that can include wayfinding to direct consumers to products on shelves and additional information. Uh, much like we do when we're talking with the National Institutes of Health, the Social Security Administration, we're always stressing that uh, that for effective communication, you need to provide all auxiliary aids and services for that effective communication. Again, braille, large print, electronic format, and audio format. Um, same as our advocacy for accessible prescription labeling as well. Um, 
this is uh, certainly when it comes to consumer products, this is going to be a, a big uphill fight. Um, you know, we have the resolution that we can point to to show that this is a priority for our members. Um, but again, most of these companies and even uh, even government agencies like National Institutes of Health, as they look to make COVID tests and other at-home tests more accessible, um, entities are looking more toward technological solutions to provide that accessibility. Uh, resolution 08, dealing with hotel contracts and having uh, Braille and large print available um, for included in new hotel contracts. Oh, we're under contract this year, we're under contract for 2024, and we're under contract for 2025. Uh, our convention coordinator is aware of this resolution. And as we determine what the organization is going to do in 2026, this will be part of the conversation. Um, the, the board did direct ACB to look toward um, holding another in-person leadership conference. And as we are seeking bids and contracts for the 2024 leadership conference and ask for large print in Braille will be part of that conversation as well. Yes, do you need a microphone? Yeah. Okay. I've got it. Yeah, I've got one. Uh, the other thing that we're experiencing in hotels, to be totally honest with you, I think coming out of the pandemic is, is people, uh, hotels are stopping to provide, stopping the the provision, and thank you, Denise is the right way to say that, of these independent lotion, shampoos, conditioner bottles. And now what we're seeing more and more are the pump bottles mounted on the wall. And so we may want to alter this a little bit to see as hotels move forward that approach, can we make sure they include Braille labels on those bottles? Yeah. The, the big bottles. Yeah. The world's changing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Resolution 2022-07 uh, was about returning to 12, 12, 12, 12 <laughs> Braille issues of the Braille Forum. Uh, and the, uh, the budget committee of the board uh, determined that that is not, not feasible at this time and communicated that to the BOP. Um, the BOP has been working to of to identify of the people that receive the Braille forum, what is their preferred format? Um, because of the, the increased expense of producing the hard copy Braille versions, if there's a significant number of folks that prefer to receive the Braille forum electronically, that, would, that could potentially reduce the cost in the future of getting hard copy Braille to those who need it and want it. The next item, 2022-09, is uh, about the National Library Service producing text equivalents. And I will turn it to Swapa. Yeah, so this resolution um, urged NLS to start providing text equivalents, text uh, supplement, supplement, supplements um, with their with their audiobooks. So if you have an audiobook, you'll also have a 
a physical copy of text or not physical copy, just a copy of te text of the book with you, um, with the an audiobook. Um, and this has been raised with NLS, and um, we have brought this attention. And uh, this kind of brought on an ongoing dialogue with them. Um, this has also um been they they presented on presented 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 on this at our conference. There's this seminar in um, March, and we're continuing to um, kind of meet them and talk about talk, 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 how's, how's the work. So, Clark, back to you, Clark. Yes, and they are here this week. Uh, Director Jason Yasmer. Uh, it, with NLS, if you just say, hello, Director Jason, you can't go wrong. There's two of them. <laughs> um, but he's here. So if this issue is important to you, if there are other important NLS issues yeah. that you would like to raise. Uh, 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 oh, no. Well, you know, the, Zoom is a beautiful thing that allows us to build connections regardless of where we are. Uh, <laughs> yes, physically, mentally, ecumenically, uh, it's it's great for that. So I get, but hey, it's it's one thing to hear this issue raised by ACB staff. It's another thing for them to hear it directly from you all, whether that's in person at the leadership conference or in person or virtually at the conference and convention. Uh, resolution 2022-12, reporting on resolutions. Madam President, I'm sad to say that that one is not complete. But maybe it will be in just a few minutes. <laughs> um, uh, I'm gonna again, I'm going to group three resolutions together here because they all relate to the audio description project. So resolution 2022-13 about YouTube audio description and the ADP, the Audio Description Project Media Subcommittee uh, and the, the subcommittee chair, Carl Richardson, our ADP coordinator, who you heard from earlier today, Tabitha Kenlin, in addition to working with uh, ACB students, uh, penned a letter and sent that off to uh, YouTube slash Google regarding this issue. Uh, letting them know that this is, is still important, still relevant to us. When are they going to bring the ability to include uh, multiple audio tracks um, out of the beta realm? Now, this their technology has continued to evolve since this resolution was passed. They're, they're making the capability more widely available, uh, but they are not publicly promoting it, uh, directing people to use it. So there's still plenty of advocacy work to continue here. And that's also an aspect of our uh, legislative imperative, the Communications Video and Technology Accessibility Act, to have user-generated video platforms uh, having the capability in providing easy-to-use authoring tools for the addition of audio description and closed captioning. Uh, two resolutions, 2022-14 and 2022-16. Uh, 14 calls for live audio description at theaters and 26 
calls for audio description at all theater performances. Both of these are goals, objectives for the ADP subcommittee on performing arts, museums, and parks. And these goals are in process. Uh, the subcommittee is working on creating communications that members and affiliates can use to advocate at their local theaters and with local theater companies to expand access uh, to live AV at all theater performances. And the, the chair of that subcommittee, Sheila Young, along with the folks at, from the, the Florida Council of the Blind have had some really, really good success in this realm down in the, the Orlando area. Um, there's even a, a presentation on it at the F FCB state convention uh, that was exciting to be a part of. Let's see here. Oh, goody. 2022-15, uh, Amazon Disability Support Line. Um, this resolution, let's see if I can. Yeah, so to work with Amazon to improve the reliability and accuracy of their customer support line. So from uh, res a resolution in 2021 regarding the use of text-to-speech in audio description, ACB has been meeting, let me see, quarterly, Kim? Yes. Quarterly with Amazon regarding, uh, regarding the use of text-to-speech and improving their processes and quality control uh, for audio description. When Tabitha Kenlin and I met with uh, Peter Korn and, and additional folks from, from Amazon at the AFB Leadership Conference, we, uh, we all agreed that there's, oh, Kim, cover your ears right now, but there's more that Amazon does than just prime TV and audio description <laughs> that it impacts the lives of people with disabilities and ACB members, right? So we are scheduling, we're, we're not stopping or pausing the audio description talks, but we are adding additional check-ins regarding the other aspects of Amazon's uh, business products, and customer service. Because, uh, because their accessibility team is centralized, but all of their product teams are not, uh, setting these meetings in advance, being able to bring up specific items like this one will allow Peter Korn and team to get the right representatives in the room um, to hear the issues and to collaborate and work towards a solution uh, for the issues that our members are encountering. So that work is ongoing. And that's, I, uh, there's, <laughs> I don't want to say never, but there's never going to be an end of the, the work that we can do there. And that's why, as, as Dan mentioned earlier, why it's important for us to have these regular touch points in meetings okay. with these partners so that the work can continue and it can remain a priority. All right, 2022-16 uh, on disability rights settlements. So the Advocacy Services Committee uh, pulled together a conversation uh, with several leading 
disability rights attorneys to discuss this issue of how we can make our disability rights settlements endure, how, can, how we can make the, uh, the accessibility gains that are achieved uh, more permanent. Uh, but that was only an, an initial conversation. And tune in Sunday morning during the general session on July 2nd, where Jeff Tom, the chair of the Advocacy Services Committee, will be hosting a follow-on conversation with many of those same uh, leading voices and several more uh, regarding this topic. All right. Uh, resolution 2022-17 on vision loss institutional institutionalization. There we go. Uh, calls for ACB to bring this issue to the attention of the Aging and Vision Loss National Coalition. Uh, which we have, and we're very fortunate that uh, members of our board, as well as members of the leadership of the Alliance in Aging and Vision Loss are part of the coalition. Uh, unfortunately, the, the Alliance on, excuse me, the Aging and Vision Loss National Coalition, um, this is not a, a top priority for them to move at this time. They're working on their big data project. Uh, they are working to gather and make available uh, information on vision loss and services uh, in the older, uh, older individuals with blindness population. Um, they have done this at the state level for 25 states, and they still have 25 states to go. So that, that is occupying their, their time and resources in this regard. Their next data project is to do the same for working age adults at the at the state level. Uh, but we will continue to, you know, uh, to Doug Powell's point earlier, um, focusing on older individuals with blindness, um, the Older Americans Act, as well as Teddy Joy's law. Oh, am I being played off? Is this like this is like the Oscars? I've gone on too long. <laughs> That's it for me, folks. Tip your waiters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. So, uh, so long resolution short, the uh, the work continues uh, to to ensure that individuals are re receiving the services they need to live independently and integrated in their community. Uh, resolution 2022-18 on low vision coverage. Uh, this again, remains a priority. Um, we, we've had a conversation earlier this year with Safford Representative Bill Arrakis about reintroducing the Medicare demonstration uh, bill. We also have had conversations with our partners through the ITEM Coalition uh, about going much broader, much like, much like we tried to do last Congress and get full uh, vision coverage in the Build Back Better Act. Oh, I got that out. Uh, so this, this work is ongoing, not only for low vision device coverage, but also uh, working with the Vision Serve Alliance to study the uh, the feasibility 
of having either CMS move forward with Medicare and Medicaid coverage for vision, low vision services to determine whether that is something that can be done through existing authority within CMS or if that would require legislation. 2022-19 on education policy. Uh, this is similar to what we discussed before, uh, excuse me, what I discussed in the advocacy report about the, the Section 504 uh, regulation refresh, um, Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act. Uh, we know that the Department of Education is uh, drafting a notice of proposed rulemaking. Uh, the ACB, along with our, our partners, AFB, NFB, National Disability Rights Network, sent a letter to last summer to the Department of Justice, Department of Education, and Department of Health and Human Services, urging them to move forward, urging them to, uh, to include uh, technology, websites, and applications uh, when they do this, and emphasize that this needs to be done by the end of the, the current Biden-Harris administration. So by the end of 2024. All right, and I'm gonna turn it back to Swatha again because we are at resolution 2022-24 on large print talking book topics. All right, so this resolution um, urged NLS, which had discontinued their publication of the large print talking book topics to reinstate it um and to continue to um or not to, to um start publishing again and sending out um so within talks um ACB did send a letter to NLS urging them to do to do it to do with that to um reinstate public publication public publication of the large print talking book topics um and they basically they um in me in meeting in meetings with nls they um basically told, they told us that they cannot um do this right now because there's a short first paper at the gao the government county office the printing office um so they cannot um reinstate the hard copy talking large print talking about large print talking book talks at this time um but they and they have shared with us with those links and resources 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 um to um other ways to access the talk the tbt in large print including um electronic and um on the like as a audiobook from bard um so that is that's all it's all that time is all you have is to report on. Clark. Thank you, Swatha. Turning to resolution 2022-25 uh, on the Insulin Now Act. Yes, from the 117th Congress, a piece of legislation that would cap the price of insulin. Uh, this is an, an issue that ACB Diabetics in Action is very passionate about and has, has obviously brought forward as a resolution in 2022. We have more resolutions related to this topic in 2023. Um, now, 
after or around the same time that this resolution was passed, there was legislation, le legislation that was passed in Congress to cap the price of insulin for uh, through Medicare. There we go. Um, additionally, uh, I believe Eli Lilly uh, has placed a cap on the price of their insulin as well. Uh, this is great for those who it works for, and we realize that more still needs to be done. Um, so as additional legislation is introduced here in the 118th Congress, we will continue to work with ACB Diabetics in Action um, to support their work and to support this legislation. And jumping to 2022-27 uh, on housing advocacy, and I will turn it back to Swatha. This, re this, re this, re this, re this resolution um, kind of asked ACB and the Advocacy Service Committee to plan for housing advocacy within ACB and in their affiliates. Um, and one of the things we did, um, and at the 2023 conference, the legislative seminar, was we had a session on housing advocacy. We had um, staffers from the Housing and Urban Development Department at the U.S. US Department of Housing and Urban Development um, present on their like, how housing can be made accessible for blind and low, low vision. Low vision Individuals. Additionally, um, the how the housing had um had put out a advanced notice of proposed rule proposed rulemaking um that on updating a and regulations 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 that we talked about that we talked about um we talked about this earlier in the, earlier in our report um. And I am currently working on comments, just as comments with um, assistance and um, guidance from the pedestrian committee or P committee uh, and Sue Crawford, Sue Crawford of that of that committee. So that is all I have. Sorry. Thank you, Swatha, and Madam President. Those are the 2022 resolutions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have a motion and a yeah. second. To okay. Approve. Yes. Yeah. I I was just ch checking on something over here. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. No. No. Way too much going on. All right. Yes. Ray made the motion and Connie seconded. Right. Got that. Okay. Um. And so. I will uh, call for the vote. Any, all in favor and opposed? All right, thank you. Okay, we are uh, running a little short on time. That was one of the things I was kind of working on over here um, was kind of getting, inventing more time, seeing if we could buy time. <laughs> no, so um, great, all right. And are there any additional questions for uh, Clark and Swatha? 
Okay, good. So then let's move on to our, <laughs> we know we got to go guys. All right. I want to um, thank you for that. That was extremely thorough and, and really helpful. And you just more about all the stuff that gets done around here. So um, I'm, I'm pretty excited about all of that. And so we'll continue with that process and that will be a regular part of our uh, annual convention and and of course we always take updates on anything major that happens with these throughout the year and we don't have so many this year so next year's report will probably be easier for you right <laughs> all right um i'd like to move on now to any other uh board um and liaison reporting and i probably would like to start because it's such a germane topic uh with uh the walk update and um, and if Donna would like to introduce our walk song, uh, Herbie is standing by to uh, play it for us. All right. Yeah. So Herbie, three, two, one, play, <laughs> if you can. He probably wasn't ready for it quite. There he is. We're stepping out with ACB, put on your walking shoes, no time to talk. We're stepping out with ACB for the Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk. We're stepping out and getting ready, all stretched out and feeling fine. Our feet are moving and walking steady with the American Council of the Blind. It'd be smooth sailing, excitement has hit everyone. Has hit everyone. Now that we're done preparing, come on and join in the fun. Well, so much fun. We're stepping out with ACB, put on your walking shoes, no time to talk. We're stepping out with ACB for the Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk. Thank you, Herbie, for playing that. Um, thank you, Josh Haza. He can't hear us, but that's okay. Um, teacher, music teacher at the West Virginia School for the Blind. He certainly does it good every year. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, so anyway, the walk, it is not too late. Uh, you can register. And if you register, you get to come to the tailgate party tomorrow night and have fun and eat and laugh and all that kind of good stuff. But I want to give you a quick report on the numbers. We're, we're doing good. We're, you know, we always have these as as Dan uh, Dylan always says, people wait till the 11th hour. Anyway, yeah. uh, but we're well over halfway to our goal. So that's wonderful. Um and so we're over 36,000. The last I looked, I tried to get on to look today to give you an update. And my Braille sense is senseless right now and won't do it. Um, uh -oh. But anyway, so it is not too late. But I, I want to commend uh, the the ACB, uh, the Sugar Warriors. <laughs> they have done an awesome job raising funds. Uh, Florida's in second. And the last I looked, I want you all to hear this. West Virginia's in third. Did you hear that, Kim? Uh, okay, okay. Just, just wanted you to know. But uh, Kim is in fourth, yes, <laughs> or the, the Patriots. Anyway, um, thank all of you uh, for your support, but it is not too late to support more. And come and join us as we walk from the tailgate party into the general session tomorrow night. That's always a lot of fun. So thank you all.
Excellent. That'll be lots of fun. And uh, everybody will come marching on in. You better be on time. And... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I'll take some other, if there are other people who have um, committee reports or information they'd like to provide, we'll run through as many as we can. Yes, this is Jeff, and I was tasked uh, by the auction committee chair. Three things. I'll do them all very quick. First, thank you to everyone who participated in any way in uh, our convention auction. Secondly, the well, let's see. Secondly, on July the 10th, we will continue the process of charging folks for their what they purchased and shipping. So, you know, wait till the convention is over. Don't come asking any questions right now because everybody's a little busy at this point in time. And finally, remember that the holiday auction will be coming up Thanksgiving weekend. So eat your turkey or your veggie turkey or whatever you eat for Thanksgiving and then come to the appetizer auction and the main event. So thank you very much, everyone. Right. Yeah, eat some turkey and buy whatever we've got. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, yeah, I love it. I love it. All right. Who's next? This is Kenneth uh, for board members only. We have a special private event coming up on Monday, July 3rd from 2.30 p.m. to 3.45 p.m. And it's the Mint ACB mentoring program reception and graduation ceremony for class of 2023. So I'm looking forward to you all to you all being there with us. It'll be in Nirvana B. It was uh, previously in the president's suite. Please make a note that it's in Nirvana B. All right. And uh, that's great. Other an announcements and committee quick reports? We'll take those. Nobody has any? Oh, wow. Okay. Give us a report on how was that bill reader Oh, goodness, the Bill Reader meal. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, that was actually, that was a very special experience. Um, not only was it a wonderful meal, very carefully prepared by Bill with, with um, excellent um, uh, aged beef and um, all kinds of sides and a beautiful apple pie and, and wine shipped to us. But it was also a really nice event for my dad. Uh, Chris Bell is not here today because he's celebrating his dad's uh, 101st birthday. We had my dinner pretty close to my dad's 91st birthday and had my uh, sister and her husband and my dad. And, and these guys never come to my house for dinner, but they were so curious about this. Um, and I wasn't really cooking it, so they decided it might be safe. <laughs> so um, they they came, and it was really a very wonderful. It was a very wonderful experience and very wonderful food. And um, I definitely recommend that when Bill puts items like this in the auction, you should go for it because it was very very nice and very nicely done. So good job. Yes, that's fun. Dan has a report. Thank you, Deb. Um, had an opportunity, of course, to serve uh, as the officer liaison for several committees when I was in my previous uh, job. Yes, but 
but one I wanted to really highlight today, and that is really the outstanding work of our employment committee. Uh, both Brooke Jotstead and Peter Ochel and the entire committee has really worked hard this year. Michael Babcock, Carrie, uh, Carrie Muth, and Sarah, Sarah Freeman. I mean, they really have done, you know, I know I'm missing some and I apologize for that. I shouldn't start naming names, but they have started now doing uh, twice a week. They do employment announcements of opportunities that are out there on both the leadership and conversation lists. They also do a regular scheduled podcast now where they interview folks who've got jobs or in uh, and, and the steps they've gone through to get their employment. And even more importantly, they're, they're interviewing potential employers and opportunities out there for employment within our membership. So I just wanted to thank them for all their hard efforts. Uh, and it's really a, a really, I think, a, a testimony to our volunteer members and really coming together. So thank you. I've got one again, and I'm and I'm not checking my email and messages, so I'm with you still. <laughs> oh, I picked the wrong time for that. <laughs> All right, yeah, we're good. Yeah, no, 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 just couldn't couldn't get everything organized here. All righty, so, um, excellent. Yes, uh, okay. I thought I was going to have to take over, Deb. That's oh, I'm, I'm he's kidding. just dying to take the over. Dub, he's yeah, only yeah, gets yeah. to be first vice president a few more days, and a few more takeovers. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I want to. I brag on them all the time, but I want to continue to do that. Uh, the Multicultural Affairs Committee, I just, with all the work that they've done this year and kind of leading the efforts, uh, especially with uh, Gabriel Lopez Cafati and all the folks he works with, some of the Spanish uh, uh, translations and things that we talked about earlier. But um, they continue to come up with like really, really good sessions and good programs. Um, I want to highlight one this week that they're doing uh, uh, at 2.30 on Wednesday afternoon. If you get a chance, certainly would encourage you to attend. With all the political conspiracy theory stuff we hear, there are people who even think Helen Keller doesn't exist. And it's just hard to fathom that. And so I think uh, definitely like to be kind of really going to take a dive into how this kind of uh, you know, view of our history and um, maybe attempts to revise it. Uh, how, how, what, what effect that has? And so, I, uh, I know Cheryl and uh, Regina Marie and everybody have put together a really good program. So I would highly encourage if you have some time to uh, to try to attend that uh, attend that event. So uh, just. Uh, want to brag on that. And the other committee I'll just brag on real quick too is uh, the uh, membership committee and they continue to do uh, great work with their membership focus calls. And, uh, and uh, this Wednesday, they're doing a session on one way that we can grow our memberships and our affiliates is uh, find good, good people to partner with, to help us in growing and developing people. So um, that's it. Uh, four o'clock on Wednesday afternoon. So hopefully you'll, hopefully we'll all have a chance to attend. Thanks. All right. Excellent. Yeah. We've got some marvelous programming coming up this week and we had some great stuff 
whatever other week it was ago. <laughs> and uh, so I just encourage you to take advantage of everything you can. Any other? Um, yeah, Doug? I got to have the mic, so. Okay. Um, I've been on the committee since its inception, and I'm not the uh, board liaison, but um, I love being on the leadership training committee. All right. <laughs> month in and month out, month in and month out, I think they provide some of the best programming that ACB community has to offer. Because everybody talks about, you know, moans about succession planning and how are we going to train these people up and all that kind of stuff. Well, guess what, guys? We're there every month putting stuff together to try to help you do that. And uh, we have some fun tomorrow morning, actually. We're doing difficult chapter, difficult, difficult council of the blind mm -hmm. as a, as a, and it's, and it, you know, uh, we're going to have some fun with it, but there's also a purpose to it. So we're, we're combining some fun with, uh, with some leadership training tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock right here in this room, I think. And, uh, and then we also have uh, a uh, speaker, the, um, the executive director of the Chicago Lighthouse for the Blind is going to be speaking also about leadership. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so there. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you, Doug. Yeah, that's good. All right. Any others? Gabriel, yes. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice ambiance, Gabriel. I know, right? <laughs> Thank you. Well, Ray inspired me. Thanks, Ray, for um, for your kind words. It's it's a pleasure to to make ACB fully bilingual. That's the plan. Um, but I wanted to also uh, share with everyone and promote um, International Relations Committee (IRC) uh, luncheon on Tuesday, July fourth. We have Michael Suyatek. He's a blind executive for Avianca. He's um, uh, he's um, accessibility and development um, manager for Avianca, which is one of the if not the largest Latin American airline. Uh, he's he comes to Avianca with airline experience from Qantas and um, Qatar, big big airlines, and he's blind, so he'll share a lot of the uh, information from the perspective of being blind and in the international field uh, airline. So. Uh, he he wanted to join ACB in person, but he has family commitments due to the Fourth of July. He's hoping to be next year in Jacksonville in person. So I hope you can join us if you haven't signed up yet for for our luncheon. Thanks. Great. Great. Any others? Uh, Dan, I'd like to make one more announcement, staff related. I'm excited to announce that this year for our hybrid uh, session, so those here in EF and then right next door in GH, we are going to have four of our staff members that are going to man each one of those hybrid sessions. So they'll be at the door welcoming everybody, uh, making sure that everybody comes in and that the facilitator gets introduced and that the Zoom folks are all present and ready to go. 
uh, answering any questions for AV, that type of stuff. Not, they're not the AV solution people, but if they find a problem, they'll contact Rick and his, his team. So we've got two teams. Colby and Tabitha are going to man one room and Swatha and Natalie are going to man the other room. So everybody be kind, say hi to them. Uh, yes, they're, uh, this is the first year we're trying this, but I think it's really exciting. It's a way for them to really get to know our members and our members to get to know them. Yes. And yes. exactly really going to help. And I think really help us, you know, get some coordination in the room. So everybody be aware of that. And as board members, please jump in and help whatever possible. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. No, no. <laughs> they're they're actually they're going to introduce, but they have other activities. So please, if you're facilitating a session, make sure you have a mic runner. That's part of your yeah, part of the role of, your of, role. of, of, of uh, actually operating the session. So thank you for that question, though, Doug. Good question. Right. OK. Any others? Well, I don't hear any, but I would like to take a slight point of personal privilege. Um, my affiliate is doing, my state affiliate is doing something really unique um, this year with convention in collaboration with the State Department of Services for the Blind and their uh, youth program, their transition program. And we've been talking about what our state affiliates can do to grow their membership. And of course, one of the things everybody always laments is that we don't seem to attract any youth. So um, I, I would like to have Julie Brannon tell us just very briefly um, what DSB and, um, and WCB are doing in collaboration this year that has brought some youth to our convention who I hope that as you see them and their parents around and participate with them, that you will warmly welcome them here because this is their major first exposure to us as a national organization and what an opportunity for them and for us. Is Julie in here? I'm right here. Yes. Yeah, go ahead, Julie. Thanks, Deb. I'm gonna say a brief moment of stuff and I'm gonna hand it over to Colette Arvidsson who will give you some more details. First of all, uh, in Washington State, we have 19 committees, and one of those committees is WCB Families. And Haley and Colette are, are the core of that committee. And they work very hard with youth and families all year, so kudos to them. And one of the things they've done is not only do we have the youth from DSB attend every state annual convention, but all of a sudden, DSB said, we ought to have them attend a national convention. They attended the NFB National Convention last year, and this year they're attending our convention. One thing we're hoping, and I'm going to get let Colette give the details real quick, but please, if you see them, um, welcome them. Let them know you're happy they're here. We want them to, let's face it, choose WCB slash ACB. <laughs> and I'm going to let Colette. Hi, Colette Arvidsson. I'm with the Families Committee. The things that there's WS, WCB every every year, the DSB sends between 18 and 25 students to our state convention, including the hotel and the registration and their meals. It's a big deal. This year, they had three students who were 17 and 18 years old, along with two of the parents, come to this event. They'll get here tomorrow and they are paying all of their expenses to fly here, 
the registration meals, they will be, they are paying for them to come to our banquet. They are also paying for them to come to the student lunch. And then those two things are actually mandatory for the students and their families to come to, along with a number of other specific activities throughout the week. They worked with us to make sure that we can get those students and their families here and get them to be among our young people as well as among our experienced people. So we wanna make them feel welcome and we'll be searching them out among the crowd and introducing them to anybody. If you hear Colette's mouth open, you know the students are probably there. There will also be four full staff members along with them. So we've got a great opportunity to show them how great ACB is and how welcoming this family is. And so this is a commendable thing, but I think the other piece of this is that this is something that I think lots of other states can do because um, the departments, the uh, commissions and departments that serve our blind youth have a lot of requirement to do that with lots of funds. So this is accountable activity for them. So um, go for it. That's um, all I can say. Madam President. Yes. Uh, First of all, segueing off of that as putting on my state president hat here in Illinois, mm -hmm. um, we actually uh, one of I've, I've actually had I've already had conversations with our deputy bureau chief uh, for the Bureau of Blind Services, who I think is going to be here this weekend, this week. Um, <clears throat> but um, uh, Kim Borowitz, but um, the other thing, uh our state convention next year is going to be in Springfield, which is very close to Jacksonville. And I think we're going to try to really use that as a springboard to yep. involve the school for the blind uh, in as much of that as we can. But I didn't grab the microphone and tell you that. Um, I want to keep my state president hat on for a minute. And as you go through this convention this year, I want you to think of, and I'll talk more, and Janet, I'm sure will talk about them too, but I want you to, I want to thank our host committee. Uh, host committee, uh, one of my goals, you know, you know, we were supposed to do this three years ago here in Schaumburg. And yeah, it was a dress rehearsal, Rachel says. But, and at that time under Rachel's leadership, she had appointed a really good host committee. And it was my goal to because they didn't get to see this all the way through. And it was my goal to appoint as many of them to this year's host committee as I could. And uh, unfortunately, one is no longer with us, but I was able to appoint his dad. And so I just want to, if I, I hope I don't forget anybody, but uh, um, Karen Campbell, Rachel Schroeder, Debbie Watson, Sharon Howerton, Andrea Connor. I don't think there's anybody in the world Andrea doesn't know. Um, and uh, Debbie Watson, Jim Crawl. Um, and I think that's pretty Marla Chorney, Marla Chorney. I mentioned Sharon. Yeah. Um, but these guys have worked so hard. On, I mean, you 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 don't see it. You wouldn't believe the emails that were going back and forth amongst our host committee talking about this and that and the other thing. So as you go out and you do your tours and you enjoy some of the local speakers and just have the convention, I want you to thank the host committee because it was a pleasure working for them. And, uh, you know, I I 
you know, Rachel started this and I kind of finished it. And I was able to finally give this committee a chance to see their work through to completion. So I just wanted to share that with the board. Thanks. Yes. All right. Thank you very much, Ray. All right. Anything else? Ray spoke. I have to speak. Oh, is that how it works? All right. It's in, is that written it's somewhere? In the Constitution. Thank you. Okay. Just check with John on which bylaw. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's a bylaw. We can amend it, right? <laughs> All right. Go ahead, Terry. I would like to just take a moment to thank a different group of people. And those are the people that are sitting in this room today who are not members of the staff or the board who have come because they have such an interest in ACB. We had a lot more people here this morning and this afternoon, and especially when there were such good tours going on opposite this, but these people chose to come and learn more about ACB and the workings of the board of directors. And I want to salute every one of them. And I think we all owe them a big gratitude and thanks. And we also have people on Zoom, in Clubhouse, and on ACB Media. So yes, I think our organization does a good job of, of um, participating with our board. Okay. All right. Anything else? Second. Okay. I like that. <laughs> Good job. All right. All in favor? And you know what happens if you're opposed? All right. Thank you all. Excellent meeting.